Welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill Athletics. Our goal today is to connect you with coaches from around the world to learn their journey, share their stories, and just figure out who they are and what they're all about. So without further ado, let's get on and find out what today's guest has in store for us. All right, we are back for another week. This is so much fun for me. You know, this has always been kind of a selfish project for me. I get to just talk to track coaches every week for the podcast and really get deep. Like we're not just talking, hello, how are you doing? How's the family? We're going to get deep into people's histories here, uh, as maybe you have seen in some of our past episodes. So uh, really appreciate you being here today. I'm really excited and a little nervous about today's guest. You've already seen who it is. Help me welcome Lamar Daniels. He is the assistant coach uh, for track and field at Lords University. Lamar, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Pretty oh. honored to be on the show. Yeah, we'll see when it's all over how <laughs> honored and privileged you are. Uh, and I say that kind of jokingly because, you know, uh, we've done 100 interviews now with 100 radically different coaches, all levels, high school, club, AAU, division one, power five, division two, II, division three, et cetera, uh, all over the spectrum here. And everyone's unique. That's why we kind of started the podcast. We wanted to kind of explore the uniqueness of each coach's journey, each person who chooses to be a coach and their unique journey uh, that they've gotten to today in their profession. So today's guest, Lamar here, <laughs> how he came upon my radar is uh, you know, there's unique and then there's like ultra unique. So Lamar, we're going to learn. Uh, I don't know how much track we're going to talk because we're going to learn. We're going to talk about track. He definitely is a track guy. Don't get it twisted there. We, we definitely are going to be in track. Uh, but Lamar's story is also going to get into esports, which I find fascinating. Uh, volleyball, which is one of my favorite sports. Uh, acrobats, which I have no real clue about uh, besides <laughs> gymnastics. Uh, soccer. Uh, and then some different places, DC, Ohio, et cetera. So uh, let's kind of jump into it. Lamar, where do we begin? Awesome. Where does track kind of start for you as a, uh, as a sport? So track starts here in Toledo, Ohio. Um, grew up uh, third grade. Uh, my small, small school that I went to had a running club. And so um, was like, hey, I wanted to join. You know, when you're in kind of elementary school, you do all like the presidential fitness challenge mm -hmm. stuff. And I, you know, found I liked running. So joined the club um, and immediately was hooked, um, you know, got into middle school. And I guess my first intro into like competitive running was that I got brought up when I was still in elementary school to run a middle school cross country meet. And, you know, that was my first, you know, competition immediately fell in love. Once uh, I got into middle school, I could do track and field, um, immediately hopped on, and uh, my first love kind of became hurdles. I uh, I don't know what it was about hurdles. I thought it maybe just because it was such a unique yes. activity, such a unique event, um, I, I fell in love with it. And so um, seventh grade, eighth grade, you know, I was a hurdler. Like, that was the main thing I was doing uh, was, you know, running over hurdles. So Dude, uh, anybody who knows me, hurdles are it man that, that is yeah. the event i love all the other events don't get me wrong but there is something special like if you're watching us on video you saw my face as soon as he says hurdle i, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you noticed his face too like he was like 
I found the hurdle. Like, yeah, it was like, yeah. yeah. But now you said only seventh, eighth grade. Did you carry hurdles through high school? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I did. Good. So good. Uh, I ended up doing pretty well, like set our middle school record for hurdles and then got into high school. So I went through to one of those K through 12 schools. Uh, so I was I was a lifer there from first grade all the way through 12th grade, as we wow. call it. Um, shout out Emmanuel Christian School here in Toledo. Um, and then ended up, yeah, in high school, uh, ran hurdles as well, uh, set both of those records as well. Um, did pretty solid for myself. You know, I'm not going to say I was, you know, the most amazing athlete out there, but uh, it was, you know, something I love to do. Uh, the kid who had just graduated right as I got into high school had just set the record. And so uh, we had a wow. pretty solid relationship. So, you know, I, I told him, I was just like, you know, gave me a goal and gave me somebody to kind of look at, you know, kind of going through. So right. um ended up graduating, um, you know, did a couple of the recruiting visits uh, to some few schools out here. Well, don't, don't skip ahead. Oh uh, yeah. We, we've got hours <laughs> and hours okay, okay. to be here. Uh, what I'm fascinated with, because it reminds me of when I got into hurdles when I was in high school. So sometimes we get, I'm not sure what the term is here. Um, maybe we get spoiled is the term, meaning we see people like Grant Holloway and Sydney McLaughlin uh, and like that's hurdles to us. Right. But unfortunately that is not hurdles on day one yeah, <laughs> for 99.9%. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Grant Holloway, the first time he went over hurdles was awesome, but uh -huh. the majority of us were not. Can you remember your first day of hurdle practice and, and how'd that go? Wow. I don't think I can. I can remember a very early story, though, about when I first got into high school. So I didn't run my freshman year uh, and getting into my sophomore year, I was coming back into track um, and we were practicing throughout, you know, throughout the, the spring leading into the first meet. And I was pretty certain we were practicing on the wrong height. Um, and I was telling my coach, I'm like, hey, I think we're on the wrong height. Uh, do, do, what do you mean? Too high or too low? I think too low. Okay, so, so your 39 inches is regulation. So you, oh, you, no, these are 300 meter hurdles. Okay, that, so 36. That, yeah, yeah. You, you think you were practicing on 33? I, I believe we were practicing on 33. Okay. So I get to my first 300 meter hurdle race against a guy that I, um, kind of a bit of a rival for me from middle school. I uh, ended up seeing him again in high school oh. uh, and get to that first hurdle. I completely, completely wiped out on the first hurdle. Because so, those three inches look like three yeah, miles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, ended up still getting back up and finished second in the race, which was still pretty, pretty awesome to be able to do. Um, yeah. I, I think I was blessed with, uh, I guess solid acceleration to kind of, you know, pick it up. Uh, even when I did the high hurdles, I'm, I'm only, I mean, you can't see I'm sitting down. I'm only like five, eight, mm -hmm. you know, on a good day. So, um, I was usually at the high hurdles. I was four stepping. Um, I wasn't able to three step. I wasn't taught it. I mean, we, we practiced on a soccer field and asphalt kind of hybrid yeah. mix uh so we ran around our soccer field and the, on the back half of the soccer field was the softball field and they measured it out that it was 400 meters um so practices were pretty interesting um you know practicing on the grass and putting the hurdles up in the grass and everything right. so um never had like the consistent um every single day on a track mm -hmm. which would have been awesome but you know that's my journey and that's you know kind of the background i have as well say there's there's more stories like you than we <laughs> than we think out there sometimes yeah. we we, yeah. we like to pretend that everybody has nice awesome tracks out there and uh you know we found that out a few weeks ago when we had uh the coach from kentucky who has no track and ran a track meet 
in his parking lot, like had teams. And wow. everything. It was amazing. You get, if you haven't checked it out, you got to go check it out. What an amazing story of not letting anything get in your way and having yeah. a home track meet with, with no track. It was awesome. Uh, he's going to add the steeplechase next year. He tells Ooh, me so. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Which I'm like, all right, what's that <laughs> swimming pool or whatever you're going to use. So uh, I love that your story of hurdling and just, you know, the, the three inches feels like three miles yeah, sometimes yeah. Uh, reminds me of how I got in hurdles. And I've, I've told the story in the past. So I won't bore everybody again, but uh, it's just amazing the type of people who look at hurdles and want to do that. Cause you know, it's one thing, you know, we always talk about track and uh, as a competitor, you know, it, it hurts like to, to do track, right. Like, you, you know, yeah. you, you get fatigued and tired mm-hmm. and things like that. Well now do all that with, 36 or 39 yeah. or 42, <laughs> depending yeah. on what, which event you're doing, put those in the way of what you're doing, like things that are kind of uh, passively trying to trick, uh, trip you up. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I kind of love that mentality of like, okay, I'm, I'm on this event. I- I'm going to tackle them. I'm going to learn them and, and get better no matter what, whether I'm on a softball field, soccer field, whatever I'm on. Yeah. I- I think I always loved challenging myself and I was always a bit of a daredevil and when I was younger. So to me, it's like, Hey, I love running, but let's, you know, make it a little more challenging, you know, yeah. kind of spice it up a little bit. And I think that's what always drew me into doing hurdling. Give us an example. You said daredevil. What, what's uh, a story <laughs> from back in the day? Um, oh man, actually I can tell this, this is probably what yeah, yeah. remember, like. you know, be careful. We do have young people who listen. Oh to this. yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember being at a friend's house, uh, this, this balcony out the back porch, uh, was about, I mean, it seems a lot li- larger cause I was like 12 years old. Um, you know, I was, I was young, you know, I, I was, you know, 12, you know, you're starting to, you know, understand the world and how the world works. And you're starting to, um, you know, at that age, maybe wanting to impress people of the opposite gender. And so here's this balcony. I'm like, it's like 20 feet off the ground. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to jump off. This is going to look so cool. Um, ended up getting my foot stuck in one of the the pillars that kind of like was this and that I ended up falling. So, um, but, you know, the <laughs> the want to do something like that was always there with me. I always loved, you know, you know, trying to pop wheelies on a bicycle, riding bikes with no hands, jumping off of stuff. I was always trying to do something here or there, uh, the kind of, you know, um, I never like to be boring, I guess. Is, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think you've carried that through my friend, uh, through your whole life. You, you mentioned jumping off the balcony. That makes me remember a lot of pole vaulter type stories. Mm. Did you ever get into pole vaulting at all? Actually, I coincidentally, I attended my first pole vault practice yesterday. Um, uh, oh. I didn't jump yet. I'm thinking about it, but um, there's a uh, young woman who was on our track team here uh, who pole vaulted growing up. And, you know, she was saying like, hey, I'm going to, you know, she practices with somebody about 40 minutes away. And I was like, hey, I'd love to go. We didn't have it in high school, nor in college. We didn't have anybody jumping in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was just like, I'd love to just come and watch a practice and see what it's like. There's no watching for you. You got to get a <laughs> pole in your hands, get a good coach that's there watching you, make sure you're doing things safe. And just, you got to give it a try, man. It's never too late. That's the cool thing about any of our events really in track yeah. and field, but pole vaulting yeah. too, man. It is never too late to do something, man. So you mentioned talking about recruiting, uh, you know, you're growing up in the Toledo area. Uh, so what were you looking at for a school and where was coaching at this moment for you? Was it a thought to be a career or was it just like, were you thinking something else for a career? 
I think so at this point, um, I was really looking at, uh, so I went to a really small school, 34 in my graduating class, uh, which to be in Toledo in a city yeah. is pretty, yeah, pretty, yeah, surprising. Right. Um, so we don't have a lot of our athletes or that kind of go off to college. Uh, and I was one of the few, I, I think for a few years that I was hmm. going to compete in college. So I was just excited for the opportunity, uh, went on a couple visits. Um, at this point, coaching itself wasn't something I was thinking, but I was always in a lot of leadership positions, especially in high school. Um, I was on our student council for all four years, Youth Leadership Toledo, um, we Buckeye Boy State, uh, sponsored by the American Legion, I was a part of as well. Um, so leadership aspects was always something that ended up, you know, kind of being in my wheelhouse. And I, I saw that kind of had a natural gift for. Um, so I initially thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, when I was at Buckeye Boy State, which they host at Bowling Green State University here in Ohio, um, what they do here, and I think Ohio is like the largest boy state that is ran in the country. Okay. Um, you basically set up a mock government and everybody has a job. Uh, you, you're, you elect a governor, state representatives, all that. You basically uh, resemble the Ohio state government. And the job that I got uh, was I was the, for our county, uh, quote unquote, uh, I was our associate prosecuting attorney. Um, and I actually loved it. I loved doing research. I loved going into our trials. I loved doing all that stuff. It was over a week, but I, wow. I got hooked. So initially I was, my plan was to either do law or go into sport management. And <laughs> Um, I didn't know exactly which route I wanted to go, uh, and eventually I ended up, you know, going out to to college. Um, went on a recruiting visit uh, on my birthday. Actually, uh, my sister went to Washington and Venice University back when it was called Columbia Union College, um, and so she was out there. Drove out with my dad, took a recruiting visit, um, and you know, a number of other factors kind of all put it together that that's the school I ended up choosing to go to. So Washington Adventist University, what's their mascot? The senators, the uh, congressmen, we, what, what are we? We are, we are the shock. Uh, so the a shock. one unit thing. Yeah, I know. I think we are, I think we're the only school and I might be wrong that there might be like one other school, uh, but we are, yeah, we are the shock. Um, it was a D2 school when I got there, um, independent, and it's always been an independent university. I was D2 independent. When I got there, uh, yeah. So Washington and Venice University shock. And it's shock S H O C K. Yep. No yep. S. Yep. No S. Oh, I love that. So one of my favorite trivia questions is the mascot, the college mascots that do not end in S. Yeah, we're one of them. You can, can you, add us. Yeah, add us to the list. Um, I'm gonna put you I, on the spot. Can you name three more? Uh, Red Storm. Uh, nice John. Uh, Saint John. Nice yeah, job. Nice um, job. Ooh, hold on, hold on. Let me think uh cardinal stanford cardinal nice um, one more and then i to do 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 uh the golden hurricane wow you pulled out yeah. some of the good ones man there yeah. tulsa golden yeah. hurricane yeah the notre dame fighting irish yep. alabama crimson tide uh we're in champaign illinois so it's the easiest one to remember the illinois <laughs> fighting fighting the line. Line, yeah. baby yeah exactly yeah uh my good friend uh adrian just went down and became the head coach of tulane the green the wave Green wave yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah nice. and now i can ask add the washington adventist shock so what was the shock was it an electric shock or what yeah what? yeah it was kind it was of electric like a bolt. shock yeah, they were kind of going through some branding stuff. Like as I was going in there, there was like a wolf with it as well. Mm -hmm. They kind of done away with that. So it's more so like, yeah, the, the bolt aspect. Yeah. Hmm. 
Interesting. Maybe the wolf, the wolf was like static electricity. Like, you know, I, that was terrible. I mean, that, was, <laughs> that was a terrible. I have two kids. So, you know, my dad joke game is kind of pretty high right now. So that's, that's where I took that. Uh, so you go to Washington Adventist. You don't know if you want to be a lawyer or in sports management, which really tie hand in hand. There's a lot of people in uh, administration and in um, uh, back offices of professional sports who with, with law degrees. So that kind of, you know, there's, that's not like two ends of the spectrum. That's pretty similar. Uh, what'd you end up getting your degree in and, and how did it go uh, as far as track and whatever else you, it sounds like you a lot of leadership classes so, or clubs. Yeah. Maybe you continued that in college as well. So my time at Washington Adventist uh, was where um, all of these additional things that you see really <laughs> came to we fruition. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the moment. So um, I entered there. Uh, I knew I was going to be running cross country as well. Um, I, I wasn't the best. Uh, my best cross country days were back in middle school. Um, <laughs> and then getting into high school, my coach was like, hey, you can't keep doing distance and sprint. You got to choose. So I ended mm. up choosing 400 and 300 meter hurdles because mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. the closest in between both. Um, and so um got out there but i was still doing cross country um and really really small school like very small you can drive through the campus in like eight seconds type of school <laughs> um and so i immediately started i my, my first classes were like a lot of you know history classes my major was history with a pre-law mm -hmm. emphasis right. um, and that's what i was thinking i wanted to do um while getting there though uh, they have a Washington Adventist University is known for uh, it has an acrobatics program called the Acro Airs, um, and so the Adventist ties in with the Seventh Day Adventist Church, um, right. and that's the religion I grew up uh, practicing. A lot of universities and high schools have these acrobatic programs, um, and it's just kind of part of the culture a little bit. And so um, they had a team. I was uh, coerced into trying out for it um i made a i made a proposition to a a, a friend um she actually turned i ended up dating her later um uh, she was debating doing the honor society which i was a part of i was debating doing the acrobatics program that she was a part of um this is when we were just getting to know each other we were like all right if you do the other one then we'll do it so i ended up trying out for the team um ended up making varsity um i had the benefit my sister actually had coached at that university coached women's basketball she played women's basketball there as well wow um so i had the sometimes benefit sometimes unfortunate uh aspect of falling in my sister's footsteps as somebody who was a coach there um and so the coach knew my sister he knew i had a really strong work work ethic um i was generally athletic and so you know he put me on the varsity team what that team does is like usually it's about half and half some people come in you know sometimes they went to an Adventist high school um, or they were a cheerleader in high school or they did dance or something they have a little bit of background and about half of the other team no experience at all uh, but amazing coaching staff uh, Ben Johnson who I'll you'll probably hear his name a couple more times in this uh, has probably had the biggest impact on my life as a coach um, they do a really good job of training people up from the ground up and so um, the, the team is usually used as an outreach program from the university, um, sometimes as ministry, sometimes as, you know, recruiting aspect. Um, so we'll go to middle schools, high schools, tell kids, you know, stay away from drugs, alcohol, stay in school. We'll do NBA halftime shows. Uh, we did halftime shows for the Pacers, for the Wizards. Wow. Um, we even went to St. Croix for a whole week and did a tour of shows down there. Um, usually during our spring break. So I never had a normal spring break because during our spring break, we're going on a tour somewhere uh, and doing like, you know, 10 shows in a week. So 
um, amazing experience that with, with that program. So a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So did I hear you right that Adventist schools generally have acrobat programs? Yes. And yeah. Used for outreach. Um, so that's just part of the, I, I, did, I would not have guessed that that was part of the culture, not, not for any negative yeah. or positive reason, yeah. just kind of, it, it seems is, odd, but there must be a reason. Yeah. It's really unique. I think, um, so I didn't grow up going to an Adventist school. So like I wasn't really part of it as well, um, even though I grew up Adventist. And so I think the biggest thing is that I guess uh, way back in, I guess maybe like 50 years ago, there wasn't the biggest, um, how can I say, um, appreciation for athletics. Uh, and so this was a way to still keep your kids active without the competition aspect. Um, some of the first former members of the church were worried about the negative connotation that, you know, competition can bring out of people. And, you know, I, unfortunately, I think it still kind of bleeds into today, but I think, you know, we're kind of, you know, really seeing the positives about it uh, and the positives of, you know, that competition, the positive of being on a team and competing and the hard work that goes into that and all the life lessons you learn about that can kind of bring into it but I believe that's kind of how it started I don't know for sure so don't quote me on it but I think that's like where the roots had come from and so yeah a lot of these high schools will have you know programs as 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 well and give us a picture of what acrobatic team is so like I'm picturing maybe the floor routine Mm -hmm. that you know right now you know we're recording this at the end of July so the Olympics are going on uh so me and the the little ones are watching Olympics every night and we're seeing a lot of gymnastics so I'm thinking the floor routine kind of gymnastics the best way I describe it is think of competitive cheerleading without the cheerleading um so no dance aspect, no pom-poms, no signs, no cheers, but we do all the tumbling, we do all the pyramids, we do all the throws. We actually do some more throws than you're allowed to do. We do some more difficult stuff than you're allowed to do Okay. in competitive cheer. Um, and so, yeah, we do a, a lot of, you know, just more unique aspects. Usually we'll have like three different, or I'll say four or five different routines that we'll perform in a whole show. We'll do a basic tumbling routine. We'll do a pyramid routine. Uh, we do a, like a mini dunk trampoline routine. If the school has a gym, yeah, yeah we do that. Um, so I was on that team as well. Um, and usually we then have like one final routine about five minutes long. That is like our primary thing that if we go to an NBA halftime, like that's, that's what we'll do. Or if like we only have a few minutes somewhere, like that's our main routine. We put all of our best elements in that. So I was going to ask you about that, like the trampoline aspect and the dunking and, and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so have you ever put on like the bulls costume and did a halftime show or anything. <laughs> so we didn't do like the the costumes but like we would do like all of the dunks you would see so like you know a fr- i was able to do a, a front you know oh yeah was it no my teammates were able to do like a front flip dunk um i would do like off the backboard catch it off the rebound off the mini tramp um we always have like one final big show called our home show and you know we would always have a theme and we dress up so like one year it was superheroes the other year was like basketball, like favorite basketball players. And so like we'd get in costumes and stuff for that. Um, so, I mean, basically like a lot of the stuff that you would see at like an NBA halftime show on like a mini dunk trampoline routine, we were doing as well. And, and you were doing, you personally, all these flips and so, but with no background, you didn't have yeah, a gymnastic exactly. background, a cheerleading exactly. background. Yeah. So you, yeah. you had to learn it from yeah so from scratch from scratch i remember getting there and the assistant coach telling me 
had one of the ugliest cartwheels she's ever seen in her life. Um, oh, hey, what's what's her name? I'll send her a video. I'll I'll, uh, I'll take your spot down there, buddy. <laughs> Coach Coach Z loved her, loved her. Um, and but you know she was one of the assistant coaches, and uh, she was. It was interesting. It was the first time I've ever had a coach tell me like you need to do something pretty. Um, and so, uh, you know, kind of learning, you know, my whole. Isn't, you know, that, isn't that one of our coaching cues for hurdles? Hey, man, <laughs> can you just hurdle pretty? <laughs> uh, you know, again, another example of you, because like that would, it wouldn't even petrify me because it would not even be in my vocabulary, meaning to try something that out of the box mm-hmm. at that age. It's one thing to, you know, I'm kind of thinking like my, my little girl's in gymnastics and she had no gymnastics before, but it's one yeah. thing when you're four, five, six, seven years old, you're like, you're, you know, you're young enough. You don't know anything. Uh, you know, you're 18, 19, 20 year old yeah, college kid. Yeah. You kind of know some stuff here. Yeah, uh, yeah. And yet you were still like, all right, it's a challenge. Like I'll, I'll give it a try. Yeah. That's Is amazing. That, dare, yeah, that daredevil, you know, kind of yeah, challenging right. myself type of thing, I think really came out there. Um, and, and just kind of seeing what the team was able to do and, you know, some of the people who were on the team and the amazing moves that they were learning and everything sure. and knowing like, again, like me, like a lot of them had come from not knowing it before. And, you know, mm. when you have a great coaching staff that, you know, kind of really believes in you and, and more so than anything, uh, coach Ben is what we call him. He really taught me how important the process is on things. Um, mm. like if you're learning, a round off to a handoff to a round off to bat two hand back sorry round off to handspring I'm thinking track here uh to you know two back handsprings to round off back handspring tuck all of that like you, know, you start to learn how important it is to have drills right so that and it, essentially it's you drill it so much so much that you tell your body hey we can do this because we've done all these drills right we you know we're jumping onto crash pads we're having people spot us so eventually you're able to kind of just do it on your own, which is, it was just a, an amazing experience that I had on that team. Did the athleticism of learning those, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of core strength, obviously, and some, yeah. um, um, I'm missing the word here. Um, when you're syncing everything up, I can't believe that's a brain fart for me here. <laughs> um, but like, did any of that help you with your athleticism? in track and field or was it just kind of completely separate? Um, it's, it's actually real tough to really know, uh, because, um, I, and as much as I have a love for my undergrad, our track program wasn't ran the best, uh, and it wasn't the best experience, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, kind of what kept me as far as like with the acro team. Um, I really learned, um, so coach Ben's been with that team, I think 25 years now, I really wow. learned, yeah, how to run a program and how not to ro- run a program, just kind of hands on, um, and, uh, kind of on the, on the track side, uh, we competed for two years and then our program got cut, mm. um, after two years. So, um, it was more so a, uh, our school is moving from the NCAA to the NAI. Um, and so obviously when you're D2, you have a set number of sports that you have to have. Um, and with the move to the NAI, you don't have like the, you know, that mandatory minimum as far as the number of sports that you have to have. Oh. Right. So, um, the school kind of saw like, you know, stretching themselves a little bit thin. So, um, that ended up getting cut by other sport volleyball that I was playing there as well. Um, which yeah, we haven't got to yet. Wait, um, wait, hold on. So you're also yeah. doing volleyball. Yeah. So, um, now, now you didn't mention playing volleyball in high school. 
yeah, I didn't play volleyball in high school. Uh, so that's, I played like rec sand volleyball uh, with my church and with my family at a league here in Toledo. Um, and so I remember vividly, like early spring, I'm sitting there um, with, you know, some of the guys from the school and they're saying they need people for the volleyball team. And I was like, look, I have a little bit of experience, um, nothing special, but, you know, I'll try out. And I tried out, um, ended up uh, being, uh, again, 5'8 on a good day. So I ended up playing libero um, and I fell in love with volleyball. Uh, it, I, I still love the sport to this day. It is, it is such a um, unique aspect. As much as I love track and field, I love being able to scout other teams. I love being able to game plan for other teams. Like mm -hmm. that's such a cool thing for me to do as a coach. Right. So it's something I, I, I absolutely enjoy doing. Um, and when you kind of know what a team's going to do and you can game plan around it and stop it, you know, I think that's such one of the cool things about, you know, coaching. Um, and so um, I loved doing that as a libero. Like if I knew, Hey, I, this is where the hitter always hits or I'm setting up here and, you know, getting that, you know, amazing dig because you're in the perfect position was just such a cool thing. So is this yeah. team uh, a, a school sanctioned athletic team yeah. or is this a club or? Yeah. So this was a school sanctioned. So you played just... for the Lord university. Yeah. Uh, Washington. Uh, Washington. Sorry. Yeah. Got ahead. Washington yeah. Adventist uh, yeah. shock uh, yeah. volleyball team. Um, yeah. uh, all, all men or co-ed all men. Yeah. All men. A, yeah. All men. So there's only about, I don't know, 40, 50 men's programs in the country. Right. I mean, yeah. this is yeah. one of the few men's yeah. collegiate programs. Right. Yeah, we are D two uh into well D two and D one are combined when it comes to NCAA men's volleyball. Right. So yeah, we were we were within that. Yeah. I coached at Ball State University for a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. And we had a phenomenal women's team, but also it was the first time I'd been introduced to men's volleyball on that level, like of the yeah. college. I I just didn't think it existed. And or, or if it did, it was only UCLA and USC yeah. is only yeah. West Coast, yeah. you know, yeah. type of thing. Uh but you're right, you know, the athleticism is outstanding. Mm -hmm. I, I remember one time before I was at ball state, so I hadn't really experienced men's volleyball on that level. I saw a picture in like probably an ESPN magazine of uh, you know, a middle up in the air coming for, you know, an attack and how far they were off the ground. Yes. I mean, yeah. like yeah. these dudes and dudettes, these women as well. <laughs> in fact, there was just a uh, post. So we're recording this in July. So if you go back on Twitter and such, there was a post. Uh, I don't know who it was. I don't, Think? Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I the think side view. Italy, I believe. Yeah, okay. I was yeah. thinking it wasn't America, right? Yeah. And some of it's a little bit of a camera angle. Uh, let's preface that. However, yeah. this outside hitter is in the air. Like, I mean, like, and of course, you know, because my whole um, network is track, everybody's like, man, get her on the high jump apron. Like, what is she doing <laughs> over here with volleyball? So uh yeah that's amazing so you're playing volleyball as well what are you, are yeah. you still studying history at this point kind of yeah yeah you know, so still, okay at, at this point i'm still pre-law major so my days were pretty packed i um so in the spring of my jute my freshman and sophomore season and part of the reason i was doing this was that i was paying my own way through college so if i could you know find a way to get a little bit of extra scholarship money here and there that was helping mm -hmm. out sure um and so my schedule was usually like you know track practice four to five um i was also part of the band so uh five to six thirty uh played the bass clarinet so i would hop over there six thirty to seven get dinner seven to nine volleyball and nine to eleven the acrobatics practice and that was a um as a young kid freshman sophomore probably not the brightest decision um that i was making um, 
ultimately though uh the the school found out i was getting more scholarship money than tuition and so they were like hey we're not going to be uh continuing uh, your scholarships in these sports and so um track and volleyball ended up getting cut sophomore year and oh, so volleyball too yeah, yeah yeah so both of those um and then so and then i was being told about the scholarship money being taken away so i also didn't continue to do band anymore as well so and somewhere uh, well, soccer is in here uh yes yeah, yeah so we're getting to soccer soccer's coming up so um so that was my uh, freshman and sophomore year was doing all of that um track was uh it was a again unique experience um there's only i think a, a couple of us that were like directly recruited for it a lot of it was like students who were already at the school um just bringing kids out of the dorm uh we didn't have a track as well in college uh so we were running sprints on on the street behind our university um and then once a week we go to a local high school um and so um but i mean it was it was still nice to be able to go to some track meets still be able to say i ran in college um i usually was doing 400 or 400 meter hurdles were my main events that i was doing um so you were yeah. like the uh the decathlete of sports college sports <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you, one is, you know, how are your grades doing all of this? Mm. Let's start there. How, how was, how are you doing academically? Um, first semester, great. And then second semester, pretty solid drop. There goes, uh, there goes that and, law degree. And I was just like, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I, I was about like a, at this time, not the best. I was like a two, five, two, seven type, you know, GPA person. Um, and then um but once all those left um and after you know after a solid drop uh actually kind of pertained i had you know rough breakup in college you know how college goes and everything so was it the acrobat acrobat yeah yeah so yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. they're, they're kind of yeah. heartbreakers i've heard <laughs> i get it um so uh we ended so but i mean once all that kind of left my junior year everything started picking back up again so yeah you know you're not blaming uh no 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 but i realized i mean honestly <laughs> i'm gonna get you a, in trouble here you're not blaming her <laughs> no but on a on a mental aspect i, I realized sure. it really taught myself a lot like you know i was you know trying a lot to balance you know multiple sports mm -hmm. while working i worked at our campus bookstore and mm -hmm. in our athletics department mm -hmm. while also you know studies and while also a relationship and you right. know it kind of helped me realize like you know at some point um, and as you'll kind of hear throughout my story, I like doing a lot of different things at once, but at some point, like that has to be a limit of, you know, how much you're actually doing. Right. Yeah, you you missed your calling time. by not being a decathlete because oh, I would have loved to. Yeah, that's the real lesson here. Uh, but you did bring up a lot of good points there. And, you know, while we're recording this right now, uh, there's the Simone Biles. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to call it controversy. It's not controversy. There's a Simone Biles story that's going on right now. Uh, and it's an important story. Yeah, uh, when you when you're hearing this, we'll have some resolution because this is going to be a couple of weeks later. But um, but what you're talking about there is extremely important because you're talking about an athlete. So you're talking about 18, 19, 20 year old. Yeah, yeah, kid, yeah. A young adult. But, you know, you're still not a fully formed adult. I think they say our brains continue to uh, develop, uh, grow until we're uh, past 25 years old. So you're still mm -hmm. in growing mode here. You're away from home, uh, trying new things. You went there for track, maybe specifically, uh, you know, academics is still there. You, you got to worry about paying for school. Yeah. Uh, relationships come in there and come and go and things like that. And tackling a lot of things, um, on top of that with the work, uh, the volleyball, the acrobats, the, uh, the, uh, track, et cetera. And, yeah. you know, 
I mean, that's a lot. And there is a lot yeah. mentally going on there uh, and trying to handle that and parse it out. And, you know, and we're humans, right? So, I mean, emotions can get the best of us in regards to how we interact with some things and uh, maybe looking back, maybe not so well, but also looking back did handle things well yeah. as, as yeah. top yeah. of that. So, so keep, keep us going. How, how are, I mean, this, uh, this is a big journey here, man. Just yeah. in college, we're, we're still 20 yeah. years old here. <laughs> the second year, so still, so going into my junior year uh, was a lot of change. Um, uh, that's when I guess, you know, kind of in the spring of that was when that breakup happened. And it was really, I mean, if you're on a small college campus, you know, everybody knows you and then everybody's, right. you know, knows a lot of everything else that goes on. And then if you're dating somebody on a small college campus, everybody knows the two of you together. So mm. um, that was a big thing, but also I changed my major at this time too. Um, I realized that I, um, liked law, but I loved athletics oh. and it wasn't just loved competing. I loved the administration part of it. So at this point, um, I'd been working in our athletics department, um, started off as just like a ball boy during soccer games, ended up moving up to working the scoreboard at soccer games, at volleyball games, and then ended up being like, not like officially titled, but like our lead student assistant for our basketball games. So, you know, at the scores table, I was the one, you know, kind of writing a lot of, you know, everything mm -hmm. that was going on there. Um, you know, shot clock, scoreboard, making sure that we had people for the books, um, things like that as well. Um, and then additionally, um, I was our lead student assistant for our intramurals program as well. Um, and so I just realized I was just like, hey, I like being around college athletics and I, and I just figured it out. And again, it wasn't just as an athlete. I loved all the other stuff. I was helping, you know, put up scores and write recaps on our website and things like mm -hmm. that. You know, any way I could be involved in our athletics program, I was trying to be. Um, and so I ended up trying to figure out like how I could continue with it. Um, I thought I was just like, hey, so do I want to be a PE teacher? Is that what I'm trying to do? I was in one education class and that was it. I was just like, no, I don't want to do this. I, I immediately could not. Um, and immediately I was like, okay, so it's not PE, but I, I didn't really know fully what it is that I was liking. I, I knew a little bit about sport management, but didn't know for sure. Um, and my sister at this time, she had gotten her master's in sports administration. Um, and she suggested that I, I get into it. So I, I did some research, ended up changing my major. Uh, we didn't have sports administration as a major. We had it as a minor. So I got my major in business hmm. um, and then a minor in sports administration slash coaching. Was your sister coaching at the school while you were there? So she had just left the year I got there. Okay. Yeah. So you, yeah. you were following her coattails, so to speak. You know, yes. About the, yes. You know, for good or bad. You're like, hey, man, your yeah. coach is his brother. You know, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, I got that. But she's not there while you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that expected? Meaning when you chose to go to school there was part of the decision like, oh, my sister's there. Like I have a little bit of a support system there. Yeah. And then when you got there, she left. Was that? I it wasn't. I knew that she wasn't going to continue coaching. Um, and I found that out like, I think July as I was going there. Um, but she was still in the area at least for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was really nice to have that support system mm -hmm. in the area. Um, I've always had a, a lot of, you know, respect. She's, I'm the, I'm four out of five uh, and, and she's the oldest of us. Mm. Um, so I always had a lot of respect for her. Um, always had a lot of appreciation for her. Mm -hmm. um, love you, Brie, if you end up listening to this. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, but it was, that was a big decision. Um, it, it seemed like a lot of things fell in place for me to go there um, outside of, you know, the track program. Uh, there are a number of other programs that I visited that since won national championships that I would have been at if right. I went there, but 
you know, having a school that kind of allied with my religious beliefs, mm-hmm. um, my sister being there, me thinking I wanted to be a lawyer. So <laughs> I was in yeah. DC, right. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of things seem to allow to make sense for my decision. to go. There. Yeah. I was thinking, and I'm Bree, I'm not blaming you. Don't hear this at all. Yeah. What I was thinking is, as we were talking about, you know, the different things that are coming at you and different things that you're going through is you're going to this university away from home, which has its own, you know, uh, yeah. pros and cons but you have a, a little bit of a support system there with a family member there. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, upwards of a year later, that is also gone. I mean, that, that, that again, we're talking about, you know, a little bit of, you know, we, yeah. we, we yeah. didn't see this coming in today's uh, discussion, but we're talking a little more about mental health. Th- that's a component of mental health. That's now yeah. that support is not there, you know, tangible. Like I can go to her apartment or house and sit down and talk with her, you know, I'm yeah. back to FaceTiming and all that stuff, you know? So uh, just interesting as you were talking about that, you know, and she, she left, it's like, Oh, there's another, you know, kind of a positive force that, that, that left again, Bree, I don't even know you and I love you to death. <laughs> not blaming you just, uh, you know, unpacking, uh, what, what Lamar was going through there. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so keep, keep us moving forward, man. Yeah. You're keep, what's the seventh event of your college <laughs> athletic career. So, so you, change majors. That's yeah. Change at. major junior year rolls out, uh, get to my senior year. Um, and I realized I really miss being on a competitive us versus you team. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was still running cross country, um, which obviously is not like that our team versus you team all the time. Right. Um, and then the acrobatic team, we, we weren't like directly competing against other schools. Right. And so, um, I talked to the soccer coach. I was like, Hey, love to walk on. Uh, he was like, yeah, come try out. So, um, ended up trying out, um, again, small school. So, you know, kind of ended up making it, uh, additionally, um, a lot of times, you know, at, when you bring kids in, um, sometimes they don't know about, you know, going through clearinghouse and everything. And we had just transitioned over to, to the NAIA right now. Um, I was actually on the student panel when they were kind of coming and visiting our school and getting some information. Um, and so um, uh, we transitioned over to the NAIA. So it was a lot of like eligibility shifting and stuff like that. Uh, so some of the incoming freshman student athletes kind of missed out on being eligible right when season started. Um, so uh, first game, um, we had 13 guys. I was one of two on the bench cause I'd never played soccer before. Um, but again, I, I love challenging myself and, you know, it had been a while since I was, um, kind of brand new to something and I kind of loved it. And so, um, got onto the soccer team, ended up first game subbed in, uh, about 40 minutes in and I scored a goal. So no, get out yeah, of here. Yeah. It was a, uh, the other team had a corner. Obviously, they didn't put me in to defend on the corner, which was smart. But, um, you know, the ball kind of got cleared out and it was like a three on two break. And um, our winger crossed it in and I it was just right place, right time. I was just there. All I had to do was just turn my foot, point out the goal, ended up scoring a goal. And then I played like as all the other guys started getting cleared. I played like a total of like 30 minutes since that game going well. on. So. I really appreciate that you think I know soccer well enough to understand 70% of what you just said, but I'm sure other someone smarter, out there, someone out there is like, Oh yeah, yeah the wing or something, whatever you know, uh, you know me, you say wing. I'm like, Oh, some chicken wing. I'll eat some chicken. Wing. Uh, what I love about this and y- you know, your tonality is a little bit of uh, apologetic, meaning you, you know, you keep saying small school and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it reminds me of, as we talk with coaches and talk about recruiting, 
one of the things that most people will say on face value is, you know, you as a recruit, if you're a high schooler looking at programs and schools, you pick the right fit for you. Don't always pick the, the name on the chest, right? The, um, the name of the school and things like that. Mm. You know, I, it's becoming abundantly clear, Lamar, that, you know, you pick the right school because of your personality of wanting to taste a lot of different things, yeah. you, will, you know? Um, so, you, you know, again, your, your, your tone's a little bit apologetic, like, oh, you know, it's a small school. So I made the soccer team. Like that's, that has value that, that, that ability specifically here at Washington Adventist has value for students and it fit for you. Like you were one of those students Like you, you might've gotten like, it, it, not might've, it, it absolutely would be a, a completely different story for you, Lamar, if you had gone to uh, whatever the opposite of Washington Adventist would be. So large school, yeah, maybe yeah. Let's, let's take, let's go crazy and say it's a power five school. Uh, maybe you got a, a small scholarship or a walk-on for the track team and someone from the acrobat team at the big school is like, Hey man, like we could really use your help. Like, you know, you, you could be awesome over here. Well, in the big school, you yeah. might not have that yeah. chance. You know, the yeah. track coach there is like, Hey man, we're trying to win this conference. I need, I need all <laughs> of you. you know, I need hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Uh, and then you're like, Oh man, soccer. Like I've always wanted to kind of try that out. And they're like, can I go, tr can I try out for your soccer team? And the coach is like, you're crazy. Like, no, you can't try out for my soccer team. Like you've, you have <laughs> zero experience here, son. Stay on the track type of thing. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, uh, and even the leadership positions and the different clubs and being a, you know, what an experience I can, I can tell was that, um, that student panel for when the transition between divisions, like that's, yeah, like that's experience yeah. that helps you today that would not maybe have been readily available to you at the quote unquote bigger school. So, uh, I, I just love your story about when I, when you take a, a step back and think about a kid, an 18 year old kid thinking about where are they going to spend hopefully the next four to five years, what is right for them. And man, so far, at least, unless you're about to drop a bomb, which would not surprise <laughs> me in this story uh, so far is this was the perfect place for you. Yeah. Including all the negatives that might've happened, you know, between relationships, et cetera, grades going South a little bit, those kind of things. This uh, adventure at Washington Adventist has really shaped you and was the perfect place for you. If there is anything quote unquote perfect, but was a really, really good place for you. Yeah. And you are a really, really good person for them. So, uh, and I love that. What a Cinderella story, by the way, that you scored a goal, <laughs> your first soccer match. Uh, love that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But I, I completely agree and kind of getting into later into a story and I'll, it'll kind of make sense. But I think, like I said, the experience of what I went through on the track team really is what, kind of position and, and turned what I kind of what I wanted to do. Are you talking forward. about being dropped? Yeah, it's kind of being dropped, not having the uh, optimal, let me say that mm -hmm. coaching. Um, we oh, had sure. one coach, mm -hmm. we had one coach who was kind of distance focused. And mm -hmm. so, um, but it really kind of made me realize I wanted to work with college athletes and um, realized oh. that I wanted to work at small colleges as well. Um, wow. so I felt like at the end of the day, I mean, and I wasn't expecting, like, I, I grew up in Ohio, in Ohio, so like, you know, big Ohio State fan. I wasn't expecting us to have, like, the Ohio State experience, but, you know, I've always felt like, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what school you are at, you know, the athletes should be provided the best that you can give them, right, with the resources you have, and so that really, 
that and kind of going forward with, you know, I became a captain on the acrobatics team as well. My third year um, really started to excel in that. Um, and then my, I think going into my fifth year, our intramural, the, the guy who was like in charge of our intramurals left. And then, so they were like, Hey, you want to just take it over? And so I was the director of intramurals as a student while mm -hmm. I was there, you know, all this stuff kind of led me to realize that I had, you know, capacity for leadership with a passion for athletics and, you know, realized that I wanted to put the two of that together. So where are we? Uh, are you, have you graduated now or is there five other sports that we need to, uh, maybe you did, um, I don't know, do they have football? Do you play football? No, Ten no. Tennis? I don't know. So the only sport there I didn't play was basketball. Uh, I, I've played every, every other sport at some point, uh, while wow. I was there, um, uh, at, awesome. you know, Washington Venice. Um, but no, we're going into my fifth year. Um, I did an extra year, obviously the major change, um, put an extra year, but I, it definitely was the best fit for me. I realized that it was what I was wanting to do. And this is where coaching kind of first came in. Um, so I'd coach, like we would run the, our acrobatics team, we'd run, you know, tumbling camps over the summer. And, you know, our coach would ask a couple of us who were either staying in the area during the summer or had like, you know, a couple of us captains or people he could trust, you know, to ask them if they wanted to coach and, you know, coaching little kids, uh, helping them learn roundhouse, learn backhand strings and stuff. I thought was a pretty cool thing to be able to do. And so, um, that was where I first started coaching. Um, and then the fifth year, um, our, the, the acrobatics coach, he was the same coach for the volleyball team. Mm -hmm. And so he asked myself and a couple other guys that used to play on the volleyball team that were also on the acrobatics team if we wanted to help out on the staff. And so each of us had our own role. Since I was a libero, I was in charge of like the defensive positioning and stuff. And that's where I first started, you know, coaching experience and the scouting aspects and stuff like that. So, um, a lot of times, small college, you can't find film on, you know, other teams. Right. So what big thing I had to do is read box scores and figure out, hey, what is the rotation just by reading the box score? And, you know, how, who do they like to go to when they're in this position because of just reading box scores? And I absolutely loved doing stuff like wow. that. Like, it was just such a cool thing for me. Um, I think in any sport I've played, I always like playing a little bit more of a defensive positioning because I like the mindset of, you know, you're trying to do something, but I want to stop you aspect. Um, and so it was basically the same thing of, you know, trying to figure out some scouting when you didn't always have the film, when you had to just look at a box score and figure things out and learn how are we going to set our own rotation based on how the other team plays their rotation, right? Um, and to make sure our middle is matched up against their best middle or their best hitter, stuff like that. Um, and so that's where I first like started, like my collegiate coaching was, I was still, still in, in, in college. So still a student. Uh, during my fifth year in college and you know that's where you know that first you know kind of coaching bug started started to bite me is coaching now as you're going through on the staff at the volleyball team is coaching now like oh okay this is my entree into sports and sports management or are you still kind of wide open like I you know you're doing interview you're directing their murals or is it still mm -hmm. maybe more administration what, what are you thinking I, I'm still kind of wide open. I think at this point I was just like, hey, I, I, I want to be, and I think it's still possibly a career goal for me. Uh, I'm a very wide open person in general. Uh, but I was thinking I, like being an athletic director was something that I was kind of, you know, starting to look at as far as wanting to do. Um, and then so at this point, um, I applied to and, 
very blessed to get into the sports administration program at Ohio University, uh, which is what's well, a big deal. Yeah, it's been number one in the yeah. world for for years. Yeah. So um, shout out to the Ohio family. Uh, who knows if any of them end up across this, but we are all over the place. So there's a solid chance. Uh, but I was I was blessed, very, very, very blessed. You know, I'm at the interview. I had people being like, yeah, I worked in Ohio State athletics for like five years. I worked for IMG for like eight years and I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh, I'm, at this, I'm at this small school in DC that nobody knows. I work in the athletics department. I, I take, I, I'm on the scoreboard. I'm like, there's, there's, you know, little chance, but um, I mean, once they got me in for the in-person interview, I feel like that's where I always kind of sell my best if I can just get in front of people sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so um, went out there, drove out there, um, and did the whole interview process um ended up driving back and you know heard back from them that they you know they you know wanted me to come in but wow. and this is where a kind of big turning point comes in they wanted me to do an internship for a year um and so um so it was a year off and i was just like so i was doing an internship um usually the program helps find you an internship a lot of times people end up moving to do an internship with some alum of the program somewhere problem is they were changing directors in between the time so I kind of got lost in the shuffle with all of this um so what I did is I took the alumni book that I got from the interview process and I emailed every single alumni in the DC area um and I was like hey I'm going into my you know first year at Ohio University um every single sports ad alumni not all Ohio University alumni sports ad alumni um and I was like hey I need to do my my internship for a year do you have a position open and I ended up getting a position at um not the most exciting place data marketing association um and so it's your basic office job um and so it was I it was it got me the experience of being mm -hmm. the adult that goes to the office nine nine to two thirty every single day. So, um, I was on a 30 hour work week, but during that, um, two big things kind of hit during that time was that, um, and I guess you can kind of decide where we want to go from here is either uh, I got my, I got more coaching experience and also I got introduced to esports during this year. Well, my first question is when you emailed all those people, did you do that individually or did you do it as a batched blind carbon copy? <laughs> I did it individually because I wanted to put the name. I wanted to put everybody's name in it and, and kind of tailor it for that. So, yeah. There's a lesson for you out there. Uh, and if you've received an email from me, you know it's, it's individual. It's rarely. Uh, I, I sent a batch email once, and my first line was, hey, I'm so sorry. This is one of those batched blind coffee. Like, I, I apologize for it. <laughs> we don't like receiving them. So why, why do we give them? Uh, and it's harder. And it, it's more personalized when you do it individual. Yeah. So kudos to you. I, I kind of had a inkling that you've done that individually <laughs> yeah so uh we're kind of doing two paths here you go and doing that uh, internship and you're getting some coaching experience but also another big part of your current life is esports is happening yeah. so yeah. You, know, you, you tell me where do we go um so I, i'll touch on the the coaching experience i guess that kind of came first um so there was a local high school um it was called Jeb Stewart, um, now since renamed because I think that's the name of a Confederate general, Justice High School um, down in um, Falls Church, Virginia. Um, so they had contacted our volleyball coach, our head coach, said they needed somebody to coach their freshman team. Um, and he let me know. He was like, hey, is this something you'd be interested in doing? And I was like, yeah, it'd be awesome. So um, 
the internship I was at was only having me on 30 hour work weeks. So I'd go there from nine to two 30. Hmm. And then I'd drive out to, we were in the heart of DC. So I would have to drive out, um, which I love the DC traffic. Um, As I was say, was that like a three hour <laughs> oh, commute? <laughs> oh, going out wasn't bad because it was like still two 30, but getting home was man, It was the uh, worst. A lot of podcasts. I will say that a lot of podcasts. <laughs> um, and so uh, I would drive out there and I would coach the freshman volleyball team. Uh, and it was, you know, a really awesome experience. Um, so I'm blanking on the county out there, which uh, Fairfax County, there we go. Mm, yeah. um, they don't have middle school sports. So, you know, a lot of the girls that were coming into the team, unless they were lucky enough to, you know, be on a club team mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, completely new to the game, which, you know, I loved. I love being able to, you know, kind of coach um, freshman girls who were like, hey, this is something I want to try out, something that, you know, I'm just exploring it because it reminded mm-hmm. me of where I was at, you know, only a you. few years ago, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I loved kind of teaching it, um, you know, not the best season that we had, but it was still a really good experience for me to be like in my first time being a head coach mm. um, and really having to decide, you know, hey, there's a lot of things we need to work on. What do I think is going to be the best for us to work on, you know, mm. and, and really giving me that experience of, you know, kind of learning a little bit about how to lose and how to be the head coach when you lose sometimes and, mm. and how to, um, you know, position ourselves to have other goals besides just always, you know, being the ones to win. So give us a snapshot. Where is track in your life at that point right mm. then? Is it, is it mm. over? Kind of. Yeah. Um, it's, I was very disheartened after what happened. Um, and, but I would still try to run, you know, on my own time. Uh, I tried, I think that fifth year I was in college. Um, I was still trying to, you know, hit the track every now and then, but I ended up uh, patellofemoral stress syndrome, something, my knees were getting worn down basically. Um, and I had to go to like PT, physical therapy for it and everything like that. And I was just like, all right, this is why I was still doing the acrobatic stuff. Mm-hmm. So you have all the tumbling. And then I was trying to also run in the morning and I was just like, you know, let me just kind of table it until, you know, I find some other time to do it. Um, and um, this is when I was like running at, you know, I'd find some open meets, uh, some open masters meets. I didn't know what masters was. Hmm. Um, coincidentally enough, I, I literally just got back from Iowa because I went out to USATF. Oh, yeah. Masters. Iowa State. Yeah. 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 At Iowa State. So uh, but back this, I didn't, I didn't have any idea what it was. This is what, 2016. Um, I was, you know, sometimes running with Potomac Valley uh, Club, yep. but it was like a lot more distance focused. And so I was just like, you know, maybe do some things on my own. If I could find a beat here or there, maybe it was very up and down for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so track wasn't really kind of there for me until at that high school volleyball season ended. And they were like, hey, so we know you coach volleyball for us, but we heard you ran track in college. <laughs> do you want to coach on our track team? Um, and I was like, sure. Um, so um, I was, I mean, getting a solid stipend. So I was just like, you know, and I loved it. And so um, ended up coaching hurdles for nice. which first time I'd ever been on a track team that had more, more than one coach in my life. So it's a very unique experience for me to have just one thing to focus on. Um, and so um, end up coaching hurdles. And I, again, it's, it's, I, I guess I love just coaching people from the ground up because it's kids that, you know, had never hurdled before. I don't think I had a single 
hurdler in my group of like four or five that had hurdled before. So it's kids that are like, hey, I want to try something new, which is that's me trying things new. Right. So um, loved it. Ended up getting a kid uh, to regionals indoor and outdoor um, from ground up him never running hurdles before. Um, and so, and then, you know, a couple other kids did some pretty, pretty solidly in districts as well. So, yeah. See, that's really good perspective. Cause you know, we, sometimes we're in our own bubbles and we think, you know, why doesn't, why don't coaches do X and why don't they do Y? And sometimes we don't understand the real scope, the full yeah. scope of track and field. You mentioned that was the first time you were, uh, had seen a staff that like, oh, there was a hurdles coach and a throws coach and a yep. distance coach, yep. exactly. you know, where I went to school in Alabama every one of our track coaches were football coaches. So the head coach was the offensive line coach, the throws coach, well, then he was the throws coach. Uh, the sprint coach was the DB's coach, et cetera, right? And when I moved to Chicago and contacted a uh, high school to volunteer and, and ended up being the head coach uh, after a year or two, but uh, I was talking to that coach about, you know, joining his staff, R- Russ Martin, who Phenomenal. Thank you so much for giving me a shot at coaching Russ. Uh, so I'm talking to him and, you know, he's asked me what, what do I coach and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so then at the end I asked him, I was like, Hey, so what do you coach on the football team? What position? And, and he, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of looked at me like, well, what's this idiot talking about? You know, I don't, he's like, I don't coach fo-. Like, what are you talking about? I don't coach football. Uh, he's like, I'm the cross country coach in the fall and then the head track and distance coach in the spring. And I was like, wait a minute, you don't coach football. Like it was foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? Like you only coach track. He's like, yeah, yeah, we got football coaches. And I was like, oh, but like your tennis coach, he, he or she, or I guess not she, maybe, well, maybe not uh, back then, probably not, but uh, they coach football. He's like, no, no, we have a tennis coach and we have just a wrestling coach. And mm-hmm. it blew my mind that you yeah. could be just a track coach. That, that's when coaching for me was like, oh, yeah, like you can actually be a track coach. Yeah, but I love, you know, stories like this, Lamar, because it, it helps for the, the guy or gal right now that is, you know, thinks that, you know, only D1 is the way to go or, you know, uh, these big high schools that have, you know, six, seven, eight coaches on their staff and they host invitationals and, you know, how come uh, so-and-so high school, why don't they do X, Y, or Z? And it's like, yeah, they're not wired like that. And guess what? There's yeah. a lot of schools that are not wired like that. They, they should continue to grow into that, but they may be 20, 30, 40 years away from that. So I love the yeah. perspective you're bringing that. I go to a staff and it was the first staff of like, Oh, there's more <laughs> than one coach. Okay. All right. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a huge, a huge learning curve for me. Um, Cause here's a sport that has probably been like, I guess my best sport, I guess you could say quote unquote um, that, you know, I realized there's a lot of coaching deficiencies that I just, didn't know like there's a lot about track that you know I listen to your podcast and I hear people you know you guys share names of like people you know of like in the coach track coaching world I'm just like I have none of of that right so um hey, I don't, remember don't forget if you're listening and you you uh kind of relate to what Lamar said every single guest yours truly included we all kn- knew nobody at one point uh, you know, you're looking at a snapshot where we talk about, you know, the Mouse Holloways and the Judd Logans and yeah. all these great, amazing coaches. And, you know, I'm so blessed to count a lot of those guys and gals as not just, you know, coaches, but as friends. Uh, there was a day that I had no clue who Judd Logan was. Okay. There was a day I had no idea who Mouse was. Mouse, go back and listen to Mouse Holloway's interview. Uh, Cause Mouse and I have kind of an interesting connection. When I coached high school, 
he was coaching high school. So that job in Chicago, I'm, I'm coaching in Chicago. He's coaching high school down in Gainesville. And then he gets the assistant job at Florida. And little old me, who knows no one, I was like, man, I want to coach college as well. I'm going to reach out to him. And this was back, you're young, and so you, may, mm. you won't remember this. This is back in the AOL Messenger days. <laughs> I, I, I AOL message Mike Holloway, Mouse Holloway, who now is, you know, yeah, yeah, Mouse Holloway, right? But it, to me, it was like, I don't know who this guy is. So I'm just going to ask him, hey, man, how'd you do it? And he messaged me back. Now, today I look back and go, wow, holy cow, he messaged me back. Like it was a big thing, but it was like, hey, man, you're, you're a dude like I am. How, how did yeah. you do it? And he, you know, talked me through, here's what I did, blah, 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 you know, perseverance, no people, et cetera. And now he's Mouse Holloway, but I didn't know who Mike Holloway was back then. Yeah. So it's not, it, it's, don't get, uh, if you're listening, don't get caught up into that. Well, I don't know anybody around it. Well, you know, meet people. That's the great thing about track and field. And you've experienced mm -hmm. it probably with other sports and other activities, but in track and field, it is rare when someone will not talk to you, no matter what quote unquote status they are, no matter where they coach or whom they coach and things like that. And if they don't want to talk to you, first of all, give them some slack. They might be busy. Like, like don't try to call Mouse Holloway right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Tokyo. Okay. <laughs> uh, or maybe he's back by now, but uh, by the time you're listening to this, but, uh, and if someone doesn't reach out to you re or reach back out to you, you probably didn't want to talk to him. So that's the bad news or here, that's the good news. You probably didn't want to talk to them. The other good news is there are other amazing coaches for you to reach out to, to get mentored by. There's a great on the women's side, there's an amazing uh, mentorship program that USTF CCCA runs uh, that um, Rhonda Riley is kind of the, I believe she is the lead. I shouldn't say kind of, she is the lead of that. Uh, they do an amazing job of connecting mentors with mentees. Uh, and, and we kind of unofficially have that on the total scope of track coaches. So don't, uh, don't worry about who, what names we drop and things like that, man. Everybody knew no one <laughs> at some point in time. Sorry. That, that's my rant for the, for the day. Keep going. Keep going. That's all good. Um, yeah. So I, um, ended up, I, I remember calling my old high school coach, like, Hey, I'm going to start coaching hurdles you have any advice for me? And she was like, honestly, at this point, you probably know more than I do. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> uh -oh, so we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like, so a lot of, a lot of Googling, a lot of YouTube videos, um, yeah. a lot of kind of figuring it out as I, as I went, um, honestly was just kind of the goal. So, mm -hmm. um, first time being involved with indoor track, uh, so we don't really have it here in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Um, and we didn't really run it. We'd go to like some unattached meets here or there when right. I was in college, cause we're in DC and you have, um, Prince George's County complex, you know, right. right over there. Um, and then, um, but you know, Virginia actually has indoor track as like a whole state sponsored sport. So, mm -hmm. uh, we would do that. Um, and so that's kind of where, track really started coming back a little bit for me um and so that's on the track side mm -hmm. um and now though on to the um hit, on hit the esports side he's, he's yeah him and han let's talk about this esports thing so half the people when they hear esports they roll their eyes yeah the other half, guys like me who, you know, were uh, Nintendo nerds back in the day, were like, oh, what is it talking about this esports thing, man? Yeah. I think I could have been, I could have been something back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So what, what is this? How did this come in? Where It seems like left field stuff here, which yeah. maybe is the theme of your whole story. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, this comes in. Let's go do it. Yep, yep. What, what's going on here with esports? And, and maybe take a step back for those. Uh, maybe there's three camps, right? A third of the people roll their eyes. A third of the people say, that's intriguing. I could have been something. And then maybe a third have no clue what esports means 
first define what esports is and then tell us how you got into it. So esports is long story short, competitive video games. Um, and so kind of, you know, think about there are certain video games out there that you play just for fun and it might be a single player game. And then there are certain video games out there um, that, and I think the, the most, the biggest one that people can know and just remember like Call of Duty, right? You'll, you get a team on one side, you're competing against a team on, on the other side. Um, and so that's basically what esports is. Not every video game can be an esport, just like not every game in life can be a sport, right? If you take, let's take tag, I think there might be some professional tag league or something. But I was like, going to let you go on on that and say <laughs> what was not going to be a sport, and so they can be mad at you and not not me. Yeah, but these yeah. these competitive sport or these competitive um, video games like Call of Duty, th- those are very. And there's other, I think, styles. But th- yeah. do you say that that type is very um, capture the flag themed? Is that, is that right? I it really depends on the game. But like, there's, like, like Call of Duty. Yeah. A, I mean, I played a little bit of Call of Duty back then. Call of Duty, uh, I won't go too much into leagues, but they have three different competitive modes. One is Capture the Flag. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But there are a couple other competitive modes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. So so uh, I love the very simplistic, like, keep it simple saying, yeah. right, is it's competitive video gaming. Not every video game is going to be eligible. Maybe you're... Uh, uh, I was going to try to make a fun, I don't know, your Super Mario Brothers, maybe yeah. not. Super Mario Kart, yeah. maybe, yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so exactly. wh- how did this get into your life? Or, wh- what's going on here? So I'd always loved video games growing up. Um, I, did, I just thought it was really cool. Um, but my mom wasn't the biggest fan. Um, and uh, so like I'd get like two hours a week on like the weekends. To, to a play. week? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I was, yeah. Um, she wasn't so I never (laughs) I never really grew up like doing the whole Call of Duty Halo thing which was you know Mm -hmm. usually like my generation growing up so I get to college and I still play video games a lot like some single player games some FIFA I used to run FIFA tournaments out of my dorm room um like you know to get a whole bunch of guys we'd run a whole we'd play an entire season um and you know so that was happening I was doing that and then um on my birthday this game called Overwatch came out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine really big into League of Legends. He was like, yo, you got to play this game. It's going to be the next big thing. And um, I didn't have like a PC gaming PC at the time. Um, and so, and I wouldn't have one until I got the job here at Lords. Um, and so it was on console and I was just like, you know what, let me try it out. And I fell in love. It was, I love to compete. And I love video games and you put the two together and that's what you have with esports. And right. so fell in love with it. Um, thought it was just so cool. You had a team of six versus another team of six, um, you know, similar to volleyball where there are three different positions and you work on your position and you bring it together as a team. I thought that was so cool to do it on a video game aspect because huh. um, there are three different types of roles that you can play in Overwatch. And so fell in love. I'm playing this game. I think this game is just really cool. What, then I find what, out what what, that, cons- yeah, okay. what what console are you playing on? PlayStation Four. Okay, because you know people Xbox. Yeah, It's uh, it's Bloods versus Crips here. PlayStation <laughs> versus Xbox. All right, yep. so you're you're yeah. PlayStation. PlayStation. Guy. Guy. All right. All right. Yep. Um, and I'm just playing this game, and I find out that there's something called the Overwatch World Cup, and I'm like, wait a second, this must be bigger than just a video game, hmm. and that's how I found out about esports. Um, and that's how I found out about something called Twitch. Um, oh, yeah. And so okay. now that's how that's not a very 
uh, oh, almost said not a very popular <laughs> strike that for the record in my world. Now, I know what Twitch is. I've never been on it, but I know what Twitch is. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that some percentage of our listeners right now, yep, they don't know what you're talking about. Maybe explain Twitch for us as well, please. So Twitch is a streaming platform online, twitch.tv, um, that started off as Justin TV. Uh, oh, where, that's right. Yeah. yeah, people were just kind of streaming their lives. And then the video game aspect of it, uh, you could do stream a whole bunch of different categories, cooking, your life, whatever. Um, then the video game category became really, really big. So they just pivoted toward that because they realized that's where they're getting most of their traction, ended up calling themselves Twitch. And so Twitch is probably the most popular platform for people to stream themselves playing video games. And someone big bought Twitch, correct? Amazon. Mike, Amazon. Okay. I was yep. say Microsoft, Amazon. So what he's explaining there is uh, much like you might be watching on YouTube right now, think of it as YouTube live and take it one step farther. We're doing an interview here. Let's say I was playing my favorite game, Tetris. Let's say nice. I was playing to, yeah, I'm a big, my, my dream <laughs> is to go to the uh, world championship. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I got to get a, any, an old school NES though, because it's, it's played on that. So I got to get okay. practice. Okay. Yeah. But I, I dream in Tetris. I love, love Tetris. Um, and I'm pretty good. I'm, a, I'm an above average player, but I'm not like these guys. These pro guys are okay, okay, a whole okay. different level, man. Uh, so if I was playing Tetris, you would be watching me play Tetris. So you could mm -hmm. see that. And that may sound, for some of you, absolutely, that may sound like it's better to go to the dentist. That may be the most boring thing in the world. Um, but some of these other games that he's explaining, League of Legends, uh, Overwatch, and I don't know those games real well. I just know them by name as being mm -hmm. some of the big uh, World Cups and stuff like that. It's very much... It's like watching, this is going to, uh, half the people are going to turn off the podcast after I say this. It is very much like watching an athletic event, like watching a soccer competition, mm -hmm. a volleyball competition, because of the strategy that goes into it, uh, the communication that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the graphics play a part if you're, you know, in a kind of technology type thing like that, but it's, it is amazing. Yeah. So, so what is you start learning about Overwatch World Cup and things like that? What, how did you, what were your next steps into that, that world? So, I essentially just kind of started just, you know, consuming a lot of like content and, and teaching myself a lot. And I had done this before, way back, I think 2013. Um, the USA was hosting the Gold Cup soccer, and I had no no idea about soccer, and I literally just taught myself about it and all the different leagues and stuff. So I was doing the same thing again, mm -hmm. um, and I was just learning about Overwatch, League of Legends, Rocket League, mm -hmm. CS:GO, like all these different titles out there. I was just learning about their leagues and their teams and stuff, and it was just a whole new world to me. Um, but I I just thought it was the coolest thing. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Twitch. Are you consuming on Twitch or are you are you doing any content producing on Twitch? Oh, no, I was not there yet. I was just, just watching. Yeah, mm -hmm. just consuming. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, but it wasn't too big. So this came out uh, May 23rd, 2016. Um, so I had just graduated um, or about to graduate. Yeah, just graduated. Um, and so, but this is when I started the coaching at the high school. So it was kind of on and off. Like I check in some time here or there, but it was really following Overwatch because I was playing Overwatch a lot. Um, and then so coming into the summer of 2017, um, I was gearing up to move out to Athens, Ohio to go to grad school. Right. Um, and so packed up everything, um, 
ended up uh fortunately i had to take a bus out there because my car had died recently so i uh, took a bus out there and then some friends of mine uh drove out the rest of my stuff which was pretty dope of them so um got out there um and you know started going to grad school and started my mba program um and while i was there i was still starting to even learn more and more and more about what esports was and, and kind of get on board with it you're not doing any track at ohio u like uh, you, you... i was I actually was, yes. Yeah. So um, first day of introductions, I introduced myself. I say what I did in high school, in college, blah, blah, blah. I ran track, this, that. Um, kid there who's on, who was on the cross-country team, um, he was like, hey, you should look at, you know, working with the track team here. Um, and I'm like, look, I went to a really small school. I ran for like two years. Like, there's no way a D1 program could could need me uh, but they only had two people on the staff and so um another member of our program she was actually doing her sports her masters of sports administration first um so she did the second normally you don't do mba first then msa first and then uh, msa afterwards hmm. she was doing it the other way around so she did her msa first um maya carter Shout out to you if you're listening. Uh, she ran Eastern Michigan, um, and it was at San Diego State before that. Oh, wow. She was already – she had been there earlier than I had because they start in the summer. So she was already working with them, um, reached out to her. Um, and so we were both, like, unofficial grad assistants. Um, within the admit – within that program at Ohio University, you get a grad assistantship, usually within the College of Business or the Sports Administration program. You get some grad assistant here or there. Mm -hmm. So we had those. And we were also kind of doing, working with the track team as well. She was more so, I learned like a lot from her. Um, obviously her, you know, being at D1 programs, you know, running at D1 programs. Um, I was more so like the grad assistant's assistant kind of thing. Um, and so I was working with the track team. Uh, I would go there. I would help out. Um, mainly I was just kind of wanting to learn more and more about it. Um, you know, sometimes I'd run with the girls. They only have a women's track team. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes I'd run with them um you know sometimes i just help her set up drills stuff like that and so uh we were working with the the sprinters there while we were there do, do you remember the name courtney guiley that was a sprinter. yes yeah so, so courtney uh now former teammate of ours here at gill athletics she she worked here for two years and she's a big um I don't know if i want to say chemist but she's a lab person like that's her wow like she was born with a white you know, white lab coat on. So she left us to go back to, um, I don't know if she went to Athens cause that's where she went to school or yeah. uh, back home, which is a little bit North in Ohio to, uh, she got a lab job. So she went, wow. got, got to go back home. She's engaged, all that stuff. But yeah, Courtney Guiley, former yeah. deal teammate. That's awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Small world. Hey, we, now we I, all know, no one. Yeah. I was going to say, point. now I get to say that we have a name in contact with like everybody else. There we go. Yeah. Courtney was, was part of, part of the group that we work with. And, you know, I got to learn a lot from, um, you know, uh, coach Clay, uh, Clay Caskins was the head mm -hmm. coach there and then learned a lot from Maya. Um, and Maya, shout out to you if you end up yeah. listening to this as well. Um, but it was just really cool to kind of, you know, get that experience. And it, it was awesome to get like the, um, a little bit of the D1 experience, you know, I got, I guess, a little bit afforded to kind of, you know, if I wanted to go into the field house, run on the track, I could. If I wanted to go to the athletes, which was nice to be able to go to the athletes weight room and work out there instead of like the normal one with mm -hmm. all the students, which is normally filled and, you know, you can't find a space to do anything. So um, 
but yeah, so I was doing that, uh, working, working with the track team. Um, and then, you know, additionally, just going throughout my first year of NBA program, learning a lot about esports as well. Um, this was the first year that the Overwatch League started. Um, and so usually a lot of esports will kind of keep their, their game titles more grassroots um, and like kind of let people, you know, set up tournaments here or there to kind of start it off. And then, you know, they'll make the, the functioning league. So Overwatch League started, they're the first league to do the whole city base models like each team on the league has like the boston uprising or the philadelphia fusion where usually in esports you're seeing like you know cloud nine or tsm like you know some other names like the organizational name so um that started coming out i was you know watching that a lot um and then i kind of became the esports guy of my class essentially um just because it was a passion of mine and you know anytime an esports question came up or somebody brought up esports or something you know it ended up being like you know i i was giving an opinion on it or i was saying xyz about it and so um that kind of all you know came to a head where at the end of our mba program uh the, so my first year there we had to do an entrepreneurship project and um the group i was in we decided to do we were trying to figure it out. Uh, we ended up being like the last group put together. A couple of people were out sick. So like they missed when the groups were put together. And I was, I'm always a, whenever it comes to putting groups together, I'm always a, you know, I don't mind who I get with. So I, I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll go with them. Um, and so we ended up having the idea of putting together a college esports recruiting platform. Um, and so um, I had no idea that this would be where I would end up at, but um Funnily enough, we ended up calling a whole bunch of, you know, college esports coaches and asking them, you know, what were some of their pain points, you know, you had to like really flesh out your product. Um, and so asking them pain points, doing interviews. Um, and, you know, funny enough, if you, you know, kind of jump a couple years later, now I'm like peers with some of them. And one of them that I interviewed in grad school, we're actually very, very good friends now. So uh, it's funny how things work out. So, so if you are rolling your eyes about this right now let let me ask you to pause for a second because this is a you like it or not this is a big deal uh so maybe you're at a university or even a high school maybe you don't even know you might even have an esports program yeah in your school there's college scholarships right? you heard them talk about college programs there's scholarships for it now they are building you know i, I my, one of my main responsibilities here is new facility work so uh whether it's a new track complex uh or along with our porter team uh which does a lot of ceiling suspended basketball and volleyball and curtains things like that when they're building these schools they're building esports arenas. Uh, Vegas, a couple of years ago, finished out a huge yeah. uh, esports arena. There's two new, unbelievably huge complexes coming in the Arizona area that all, I mean, like they'll have um, 32 football fields and uh, 40 indoor basketball courts and also a 2000 seat esports arena. I mean, this, it, this is esports is not coming, esports is here. A uh, good friend of mine who should be on the podcast here soon, Mark Kosky, he works for the NFHS, National Federation of High yeah. Schools, and he kind of works two jobs with them. One is he does a lot of their um, uh, branding and things like that on the NFHS side, but he's also the executive director of the NFHS network. And so that's the, uh, um, I don't want to call it YouTube, maybe it is done through YouTube, but you can watch like, um, you could watch your high school football team if you're not in town, right? Th yeah. Things like that. 
and also a part of that is esports. They're they're running more esports through that network than FHS network. So it's huge. In fact, and you may know this stat better than I do, Lamar. One of the championships, whether it was the Overwatch World Cup or something like one of these big competitions, had more views than the NBA Finals and the Super Bowl combined. Oh yeah. Have League you heard that? Yep. Yeah, League, League of Legends. Legends. Yeah, yeah. Let, let that sink in. The Super Bowl. Um, I'm not even that great of a football plan, fan, and I still watch the Super Bowl. Like everybody watches the Super Bowl, right? NBA Finals. Um, I'm not a basketball fan at all, so I don't watch that. Unfortunately, don't don't hate me. Uh, but a lot of people watch the NBA Finals. Those two combined didn't have as many views viewers as the league of league of legends that we said yeah yeah yep. league of legends final that that's astronomical let's think about that and so anytime you have eyeballs you have money right that, that's where this all <laughs> what i mean is that all goes into play here when you're talking about advertising and marketing dollars yep. uh you know that's why um you know facebook that's how they make money it's it's eyeballs it's it's selling advertising. Same with Twitter. Uh, honestly, Amazon was a big uh, point uh, with that. Google, your search engine, it's all about eyeballs. Uh, that's how you make the money uh, in today's world, right or wrong, um, with those those type of uh, platforms. And so esports is bringing millions of eyeballs. So money is being poured into it to make it even larger than it is today. Um, and it's not just, uh, this ain't just your PlayStation playing with your buddies, your FIFA cup. This is a uh, much, much, much bigger there. There's yeah. professional teams. Guys are making like the winners of these tournaments. How much are they making? I, I don't want to overstate it, but I want to say they're making 25 to hundred thousand as winners of their tournaments. Right. Yeah. yeah it depends on the tournament. Um, right. I think uh, Dota two, the internationals like always has the biggest prize pool. I think like usually it's around eight thousand, eight million dollars um, for their prize pool and you play what five on five. So now um, I know all of our track people are going, wait a minute, how much money? Why is that? Why, why can't we, if we can get that for a video game, why can't we get that for a professional track circus? And I do agree with that a hundred percent, but we got to get eyeballs. That's yeah. Yep. At the end of the day, eyeballs equal money. We got to get eyeballs on our sport so that we can have these prize pools like that. It's the bottom line. Yep. Argue all you want. That's okay. You disagree. I'm okay with that too. Uh, but facts are facts and that's where it's coming. Uh, so how are you balancing? Oh, okay. So, so take us through, you did this entrepreneur. I love that. I yeah. love how you had to like, like you, you learned a lot, like, you, you know, I'm hiring a position here. Like if you want to move to Champaign, <laughs> Illinois, we, we, let's, we stop recording. We need to talk about this position. Unfortunately, no video gaming over here. You can still, you can still play the video games, but we don't, yeah. we don't, yeah. we ain't doing video <laughs> games. but, um, we actually have a really big, video game maker here in town volition i don't know if you would have heard of them mm. they make some pretty big games i'm not aware of what they are but like they're big time video game um maker you know yeah that what they call them, video game makers developer developer <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's a much yeah. better term yeah if you're yeah. watching i did the uh, typing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah volition they're huge right here in champagne okay see them, see them all the time um but uh so you're doing the entrepreneurial project which has led to yeah your relationship you're yeah. networking so you knew no one at yeah, some point yeah, now you know yeah. everybody needs sports yeah. right so where does that go how, how are you i mean so how are you i mean it's hard to ask this question because of your background specifically in college here but how are you balancing all this what, what's your direction here mm. um so it's actually a good question because during that time um was and we've talked about mental health uh this was like the first time i ended up uh, like kind of going to therapy mm. um so i had a rough 
couple situations while I was there. Um, and I think the transition, um, and I mean, for those who, you know, the, the transition was a bit rough going from a really small private institution um, to, that honestly, and for those of you who might be listening to audio, um, I'm an African-American. So all right, my school is very diverse to kind of flipping that completely on its head to where I was at a large school, public institution, and at least for the first year of my program, I was the only African-American program. So oh, it wow. was a huge, um, at some point I realized I was really struggling with the, I guess, finding my identity. Because mm-hmm. not only within all of that, you have to take into the fact that um, usually, like kind of high school, you know, if you're a pretty solid athlete, like you're used to being with I, for lack of a better term, the man, quote unquote, but that's not what I'm trying to say. But like, you know, you're, you're doing solid, you're, you're achieving a lot, right? You're a high achiever. You've seen it like that. Then in college, I was also being able to do that as well. I was, you know, first couple of years, vice president um, of my class, you know, captain on the acrobatics team, things like that. And then you get to this program, literally everybody else has also been high achievers in every single thing that they have done as well right so um basically kind of that same jump from going from high school to college on a you know on a track team where like you're like maybe the best at your high school and now everybody there's the best at their high school now compound that to now everybody's the best at whatever program they're in at their college right um and so it was a big thing for me to kind of deal with you know kind of finding my identity um and kind of realizing who i am outside of me doing stuff and being good at doing stuff and figuring out who I am as Lamar as a whole. Yeah. I'm glad you, first of all, I appreciate your openness and candor in this yeah. um, a couple of different topics that you brought up there. You know, one, I certainly believe that representation matters. And as you talked about um, being one of the only, maybe you said the only uh, yeah, African-American that yeah. in, in that program, um, is it safe to assume that in the esports world that it's more um, white male dominated? Yeah. That's an assumption, so I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's a fair assumption. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Because uh, like I love, like again, I do. I totally one hundred thousand percent agree that um, like seeing things, seeing people, like representation matters, right? So I love, um, you know. We're not going into politics here, but you know, when you have an African American who becomes our president, now an African American who becomes our vice president, and a female who becomes our vice mm. president, even down to inside of our sports, right? Simone Biles, we talked about earlier, a, a black gymnast, an African American gymnast, awesome. Um, yeah. Last night in the swimming, I saw her name was some. Her name was Simone as well. Manuel. Yes. Because I asked my wife, I was like, "Have you ever known? I've never known a Simone." And here we go. Here's two like amazing. Yeah. Sports. Yeah. Uh, but you have so another African American now in swimming, like that is what helps other people see, like, oh, wait a minute, like that person can do it and they look like me. Well, well, then I can do it. Like, like it really, really does matter. So I love uh, that you brought up that up. And, and again, so appreciative of you, uh, your, your uh, humility to, to bring that yeah. up. The other aspect that you brought up that um, is interesting when you talk about you know, you were, um, for lack of the better term, the big man on campus, right at the small school yeah, graduated yeah. with 30 something kids. I, I graduated with 125 <laughs> and I thought that was small. Yeah, and it, it is yeah, small. It is yeah, small. Yeah. Uh, 34 is a whole 
that, yep. that, was, that was home room. So that's, yep. that's crazy. Uh, and then you go to Washington Adventist, the shock, which we learned, mm-hmm. uh, and again, a small school and you're doing a lot of different activities and you're doing them excelling at each of them. So people are like, people know, Oh, Lamar. Dan- yeah. Lamar. I know Lamar. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you go to Ohio U. So a much bigger school, right? Less representation in your uh, spectrum there. So there is, I'm probably going to butcher this. So get out your Google machines and not correct me, go, go do, go, go look it up yourself. But I remember reading, might've been in a book. It might've been in a Malcolm Gladwell book actually, uh, or it might've just been a study about, so they were talking about like schools, like the Ivy leagues and Stanford's and, and, you know, so the high, high, high academic, right. And they attract the high, high academic people. Yeah. And so these, uh, a lot of these, uh, kids, cause they're 18, you know, they're valedictorians. They've been, all the leaderships positions, all the AP classes, et cetera. Uh, they've been the big man on campus mm-hmm. ac- academically and leadership wise. And then they go to a Harvard, Yale, Stanford, and they're surrounded with 3000 yeah. other big man on campus. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. They go there and like, wait, I scored a 36 on my ACT. Oh, oh you also <laughs> scored a 36. <laughs> on your, like I was only one of my school that did that. Now I'm at a college that yeah, like I, I, I can reach out and I touch someone who scored that. Right. And how mentally, that affects them. Uh, and in fact, this is where I'm probably very, very wrong. Uh, so this might be a little dangerous to say, but I think they were, the, the scope of this study was the higher uh, dropout rates and even the higher suicide rates of mm-hmm. that, of that people who may have been better suited to go to, um, uh, I'm gonna say a normal school, you know, still good uh, academically, but not maybe, a, you know, the, the Harvards and Stanford's and Northwestern's and whatnot, uh, that they would have progressed better, not only educationally, but mentally as well, and had done yeah. a lot better. So uh, I'm sure, like I said, I probably butchered a lot of that. If you're interested in that, Google that. There, there. Uh, I know I'm not off that there, there is a study that was done on, you know, all these amazing big men on campus academically is going to these amazing academic institutions and it not working out for them because of that. Um, th- there was a whole term to it about the separation of, you know, there, there is no more separation. You're you're one of everybody at that point. And they just yeah. mentally that can mess with you. So, uh, so again, thanks for bringing those points up, man. That's, you know, yeah. again, selfishly, this is another reason why we do the podcast <laughs> is just explore these activities because you're not just coach Daniels. You are Lamar Daniels, yeah. who is a coach. And that's, that's, what's important as we're exploring coaches that, that you are a person first whose profession is coaching. And so as a person, well, there is a lot that goes on, but being a person is messy, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah parents absolutely. and friends and girlfriends and jobs and locations. Yeah. It's messy out there. And so one of the myths that we want to debunk is that when we're looking at these big name uh, people, uh, and I'll use Mouse Holloway as an example, right? You think of Mouse Holloway as like, oh, his life must be perfect. He's at the University of Florida. He's coaching kids like Grant Holloway. Mm-hmm. Nothing could be wrong. I tell you what, I, I know, I guarantee you, Mel's will be the first one to go, uh, yeah, my life is, you know, he lives a blessed life, but, you know, he has his things too, right? He's, yeah. he's a human, yeah. right? So, yeah. uh, so just love, you know, Lamar, just that humility of bringing that up, man. Thank you so much yeah. for, for, no for, problem. Being, for doing that. Um, so, how do you, so how do you cope with that? How, how do you... Uh, spoiler alert you're here today uh yeah. it's still involved so yeah. it's working out it may not have you know you're still along in your journey but uh h- how are you coping with you know being one of a of, of many really great student athletes i i had to yeah. yeah well yeah some of them were pretty good student athletes so we had some d1 
deals, dude. It absolutely is yeah. a power five. Yeah. It, you know, I had to really figure out who I was outside of everything that I did um, mm-hmm. and outside of all the achievements and outside of just being Lamar who does this, 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 who likes to do this and likes to do that. Um, I, a lot of people that go into that program end up wanting to and become athletic directors. Um, like, you know, you have, you know, Martin Jarman, who's over at UCLA. Um, uh, I forget his name, who's at USC right now. Uh, Bernard Muir at Stanford. Danny White, who used to be at UCF. Um, you know, Jeremy Foley, who was at Florida for like 20 years until a few years ago. I've all come from that program, right? Is so, that right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So um, a lot of high expectations, you know, from, you know, for, you know, whatever you end up doing. Um, and you know, a lot of people were like, you know, that's what they wanted to do. And that coming in, that's what I thought I wanted to do, um, to, you know, be athletic director. And I remember on my interview day, um, talking to, um, Emmanuel Kerr Brown, shouting, shouting him out. Uh, he works in uh, development up at Penn state. Uh, and he told me, he was like, yeah, just, he was like 50% of everybody who comes here wants to be an athletic director. And somehow they end up finding something else, right. You know, something else catches your eye. Um, and that's kind of what happened to me. And I started just to, you know, do my own thing and kind of be my own self. And, you know, maybe I did want to be an athletic director, but it didn't have to be. Usually it's through marketing or development or fundraising that you end up being an athletic right. director. And, you know, maybe, you know, just cause that seems to be the path that everybody else is going, you know, if it's not for me, it's not for me. And kind of realizing, you know, to be, my own person outside of the program right and yeah i was really blessed to get into it but you know who is lamar regardless of being at ohio university regardless of being as part of the ohio family and you know this ohio sports administration program and that i can still be myself even with being in that program so mm. um i really so you know try to you know within the program still be myself you know and and do what i felt like was best for me um most of the people in the program end up staying at the same apartment complex. Um, I ended up kind of moving out of that. Um, I ended up, you know, finding other things uh, that the, the esports thing kind of took off a little bit. The, um, the project that we worked on ended up, we almost got uh, an investor in everything. Like it was, it was looking like it was taken up off the ground. Um, that's a whole nother story for another time because that actually turned into a company. Um, the guy that we were talking to kind of, I won't say, I'll say co-opted the idea. Let me just put it that way. That is, uh, that's PC speak for stole people. Just, uh, I'm a just people steal. He says co-op, I say steal. <laughs> He's saying co-op, so keep going. I will say that. And so um, I, I, you know, ended up kind of getting more involved in the esports program. Uh, the next year coming into the sports administration program, um, I was the director of operations at Bobcat Esports um, down with the esports club down at Ohio University. Um, so I was helping run tournaments, um, helping organize things like that. Um, and I was, you know, also kind of, I was our diversity and inclusion um, co- committee chair. Uh, so during the program, you know, students can run for different chairs to kind of be a, be involved or be in charge of different initiatives. And so that was the one that I did as well. Um, that, you know, we ended up getting that partnered with the, so the sports administration undergrad program had their own diversity and inclusion aspect as well, kind of partnered the two, put the two together. 
um, for the Association of Multicultural. Oh man, I'm blanking all the full Dave. Oh no, uh, it was a while ago. So a couple of years ago, but you know, kind of found my niche and you know what things were kind of important to me and the things right. that I had a passion for. Um, whether that was you know the diversity aspect and inclusion aspect, whether that was the esports aspect, and you know wasn't the traditional Ohio University sports administration route, but you know I realized that I had to do what I felt was most comfortable for me being me. Um, and I had all these amazing people, all these high achievers around me. Um, and if I kept comparing myself to them and kept you know trying to follow their path, mm-hmm. I would never you know truly be happy in what I was doing. Have you had a chance? I know you've listened. You've listened to at least one of the podcasts, and I appreciate that. Listen to a few, yeah. Have you had a chance to listen to Irvin Lewis from the University of North Florida? I don't think so. Yeah, you should. So he's okay. a, he's an administrator. So that that's kind of like he has no track record. He was not a track athlete at okay. all. Uh, was a football guy, but he is at the University of North Florida. He's the uh, director of facilities and operations. I think I started that one. Yeah. Maybe it didn't fully finish it. Okay. Yeah, because the second half we get into. So he's got many many roles, right? So he's a facility operations manager at University of North Florida, which is one of the uh, most important tracks in our mm-hmm. ecosystem because it hosts a lot of meets. In fact, right now I think they're hosting the USATF Junior yep. Olympics. I believe right now as we're recording. Um, he is also um, part of the NCAA Division One Track and Field Committee, so he plays that role. And then what made me think about it uh, as on top of the sports administration, he is also the University of North Florida Athletics Diversity and Inclusion uh, uh, whatever director. Maybe that's the title mm-hmm. they give there. Um, so it just reminded me kind of a like it's you know, a lot of fits there. He, he's probably not an esports guy. We didn't talk about that, <laughs> but he's an amazing uh, leader that might have some yeah you might receive some value from listening to that one and you too out there if you're listening if you have not listened to Irvin Lewis the man's awesome please go and uh, check out that that episode as well uh so you're doing I love that you, you, you as you were talking I was thinking paths you know following other people's mm-hmm. paths and then you you hit right on it you're like I'm carving yeah. my own path and that's yeah. where really true like legacy happens right when you carve your own path instead of following some of the others so keep us going down that path where is that taking us yeah, so um, I'm getting close to graduation. Um, people are are getting jobs. We call it ringing the bell in the program. Uh, if you get a job before you graduate, you you kind of like we have weekly meetings. You go up front in the class and you like you you we ring the bell and say you you know you I found love that position. culture. I love yeah, that. That's cool. It's pretty awesome. Um, so um, I'm really trying to figure out what I want to do. I know I I have three passions at this point. I love coaching. I love you know esports. I love student athlete development. Um, I thought it was just something that was just so important, just kind of looking at my path and where I came from um, to help student athletes. Um, I didn't get a chance to do it as far as like a grad assistant while I was there, um, but I was still working with student athletes while I was there with, with the with the track team. And, you know, I thought that, you know, it'd be cool to end up, you know, maybe at a power five D1 school or something, you know, working with student athletes in the athletics department, you know, helping them figure out class schedules, figure out tutoring. Uh, figure out, you know, how to prepare for an interview, write a resume, but more importantly, figure out who you're going to be outside of, you know, sports, right? You know, usually if you're, you're D1, you're a power five, like athlete, or even, even some of the lower, you know, levels, like you're still like, odds are you've been that sport, like that sport has been your identity for your entire life to be able to play at the collegiate level. And at some point it's going to end, you know, especially if you don't go pro, like how are you, who are you outside of that? How do you figure out who you are as a person outside of this place or this field or this court or this track where you get all of these accomplishments, right? Because it was the exact same path that I had to walk myself and figure out who I was outside of 
all this stuff I was doing and all these things that it's easy to get like, hey, good job, well done. When you do something that gives you that achievement, you get a trophy, you get a certificate or something like that, right? You know, how do you figure that out outside of being on a court or being on a track? Lamar, I'm sorry. How old are you? Uh, 28. No, no, I'm talking to <laughs> someone who's 48 or 58. You're, you're spouting a lot of, uh, like, listen up, people. Like, he's spouting off a lot of stuff. Now, he, he has a lot of experience still to go being a 28-year-old. Like, we can all maybe, mm-hmm. if you're over 28, you're all thinking to yourself, like, well, I remember when I was 28. Let me tell you what, <laughs> I wasn't thinking like this when I was 28. And, and I was coaching at 28. I was coaching the SEC. Mm. I wasn't thinking this way. <laughs> uh, I, I love this. So take a step back here. Um where does some of this come from? And what I mean by that is uh, mentors. I know you mentioned, um, I probably already forgot his name, Bob. Coach Ben. Coach Ben. Had yeah, to be. yeah. Sorry, sorry, Coach Ben. Uh, you know, you mentioned Coach Ben, but is there, you know, parents in your life, a parent, a, a family member, a teacher, mentor, someone, and maybe it's Coach Ben, maybe we, we hit it on there, but is there mm-hmm. someone that you're like, yeah, you know what, this person or these people poured into me as as a person and whether I was a, a stud track athlete or not, whether I was uh, successful in esports or not, they cared about me. Cause that's what I hear is caring, like the, the caring of the individual versus the role of athletes or whatever yeah. they're doing. Yeah, uh, definitely coach coach Ben, like by far, uh, actually too, usually in th- these two were at my university, him and then the Dean of men um, at our university, uh, Tim Nelson, um, had a lot of heart to hearts with Tim Nelson. Um, Sometimes because I was getting in trouble, uh, but you know, it's, yeah, but um, you know, how did you he, have time to get in trouble? Jeez. Uh, we, you are, you are either the greatest time management person I've ever met or the worst. I'm not sure yet. I think I hit both sides every now and then. Um, but you know, we, he gave me a lot, like there was a lot of times I was having heart to heart with him and, you know, just him kind of mentoring me growing up. Um, I would say, honestly, a lot of the athletic staff at Washington Venice university, um, and them seeing me kind of mature while I was there and, and knowing that I wanted to go into the same field. Cause we don't have a lot of, you know, people who do. Um, and so, you know, kind of recognizing that, but, but a lot of it to coach Ben, um, just him leading by example, um, and you know, some of the times where we did, you know, sit down and have those chats, um, I can, I don't think I can ever overstate the impact he had on my life, um, of just kind of showing, um, not only as a program and like his, his example of how to run a program is definitely helps out now in our program. I'll kind of touch on that. Um, but like, just, you know, having people realize like it's it's you know okay to you know kind of run things how you feel like is best um he uh he uh used to be a little bit stricter than he was uh but a lot of it is like you know we're doing a lot of moves and pyramids and stuff that you know you need to have everybody there practice you have to be there on time um it's a lot different when you do a move where you're putting people three people up off the ground with one person and then you do it with another person. Um, but just kind of like the hard work dedication that he really showed toward that program is kind of what, you know, had me had that passion. I, and again, I think my life experience, I think I wanted to make whatever experience other student athletes go through, especially small college, I wanted to make it the best for them. Um, and I want, you know, I wanted it to be that, you know, cause it, it's easy for that to happen. I won't say easy, but it's a lot, it's a higher percentage for that to happen at a, at a larger university um, versus a smaller school. And I think, I mean, I've been at small schools my entire life, high school, college, 
So, yeah. Say, say that again. I want to make sure I understood you. You think it's easier for someone to have that student athlete experience at a larger school versus a small school? I was saying not easier, but a higher percentage of having like everything. How would I say it? I don't, I don't want to like, you know, oversell and make it sound like every D1 school is, you know, doing amazing and doing perfect. Absolutely not. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of times that, you know, kids, I, I guess at the end of the day, I felt like kids, even if you choose to go to a small school that nobody's heard of in the middle of nowhere, you should have the best provided to you as possible. And getting the experience that I had and realizing that I had one situation where I didn't have that, but I had another situation where I did um, with the acrobatics program. And, you know, the the opportunities we had with that, the availability for me to be able to go travel um, across the country and perform and do all that stuff, like that's an experience that I want every student athlete to that I come across to have and be afforded, whether that's me doing track, whether that's me doing esports, whether maybe volleyball, who knows, right? You know, mm -hmm. but you know, whatever level I'm at, I want them to be like, hey, you know, I wasn't maybe I wasn't getting two bags of gear every semester but I still had an amazing experience and I still had the experience that, you know, I, I should have had going to this university. So how did you ring the bell? Uh, so having all three of these different things that I wanted to do, um, I was really trying to figure out which one of the three I wanted to go into. Um, because as you kind of heard my story, I like doing a lot of different things. Right. Yeah. Uh, where, where is the director of esports, <laughs> track coaching, uh, diversity, inclusion, student athlete experience yeah. title? There, there's gotta be a long title there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I was really trying to figure out, cause I felt like I was like, man, if I do one, I feel like I'm going to miss out on the others and I really couldn't figure it out. And then, um, I, you know, ended up seeing the job for opportunity at Lords and, um, I was just like, hey, it kind of gives me everything I'm looking to do. Um, I think with coaching, you, coaching, you automatically get into student athlete development just naturally anyway. Um, but it was just if, like, if, hey, if you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, I also get to do esports. And I, and I think college athletes is just like, I, I love the college athlete experience. I think it is just so unique. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, not what well, I think only like, 8%, 8 to 10% of, of high schoolers actually get to experience. I don't know if I'm getting that number right or something, but you know, it's not a lot of people experience what it's like to be a college athlete. And I think sure. it's such a unique experience that can mold and shape people for the better. And I wanted to be a part of that in some way. And so, you know, kind of being able to do what I loved on that end while also do esports wise, I was just like, you know, why not? I apply, I applied for some other positions, student athlete uh, development positions um, at some places, uh, unfortunately didn't get them, but um, I was like, well, Lords, and it's funny, I knew Lords growing up as um, I think only in 2011 was when we added athletics. So Lords used to be, um, it was founded in 1958. Uh, I hope nobody hears this and I get the date wrong. Um, but it was a university for people who, if you're working full time, come take night classes. Mm -hmm. It was a full four year university, um, but you know, not that traditional experience, right? Yeah, what, so, what is, they have a name for that. I, I actually don't. Yeah, the word transient is coming to my head, but I don't think that's the word, but it's something like that where it's, uh, for lack of a better term, night classes, but it's yeah, for working yeah. professionals. Yep, so you're yeah, working, working the traditional eight yep. to five. Yeah. Hey, and Lamar, I just want to do a quick check in with you, my friend. Uh, we had this scheduled till right now. Are you okay. good time wise? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, yeah, I just want to be respectful good. of your time. This is fascinating. So I, <laughs> I want to keep going if you can. So awesome. Yeah. Um, 
so Lords is a uh, you knew Lords as a um, we'll call it night class, you know, yeah. working professional school. Got yeah. It. Okay. Not a yeah, traditional grow, yeah. undergrad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Growing up, that's how I knew it as I knew it was over in. So I grew up in Toledo, Toledo, and Lords over here in Sylvania, which is probably the largest suburb of Toledo. Hmm. Um, and so I really never kind of came over to Sylvania. My high school was kind of close by. I had a lot of classmates that lived in Sylvania. Um, but it was never somewhere that I kind of ventured out to. I was kind of where like my like the rich people lived, and I was just never over in Sylvania a lot. So um, I knew Lords for being that. I knew that they had a really good nursing program. And I think my junior year of high school is when they transitioned to being a full university. They added day classes. They added you know um, athletics. They added housing. Um, they bought out an apartment complex next door instead of building housing, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, some of my classmates were some of the first student athletes on campus here at Lords. Hmm. They didn't have track and field though. So I, I you know, I might've possibly considered it, but you know, uh, so my classmates were some of the first here. And so I knew it was interesting to see Lords now where it was at. Um, it was back home, which um, I wasn't the biggest sell for me. I loved kind of being out in new places, experiencing new things. Um, when a lot of my classmates were ringing the bell, um, a lot of them were going to New York or LA or Chicago. And I'm like, I'm excited to find out where I'm going to end up. I'm like, man, I'm going to go somewhere new, meet new people, new spot. And then lo and behold, I'm back here in Toledo, Ohio. My mom, Oops. my mom thinks it's the funniest thing uh -huh. ever. She was like, no, nobody in my family expected it. Everybody in my family was back here in Toledo, including my sister. She had moved back. And I was the one person who was gone off doing my own thing. So drug, um, drug you back in. Yeah. Toledo <laughs> seems to do that for a lot of people. Um, but I love the area. I've always been proud to be from where I'm from. I think that's something my parents have always instilled in me of you know being proud of where you're from even though i go i went to a small high school still say i'm proud to come from emmanuel small college still say i'm proud to come from washington Venice university um and toledo itself is kind of like that for me as well so so how did up. how did you find you know finding trying to find an esports slash track coaching job I, <laughs> you know i keep track of all the jobs that are open out there uh i don't think i've ever seen that combination how, how did that come about was it really you were interviewing for one and then they also the other position was available to you or was it were they specifically looking for you lamar daniels <laughs> they were looking specifically for esports um so mm, okay. uh there's a website hit marker uh, that does like specifically for esports jobs so i was looking on it and i saw this position that opened up um interviewed for it um, ended up getting in the position, um, moved up from Athens, packed all my stuff up in my car. Um, oh, your, and your car was working this time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cars working this time. Hey, you're you're <laughs> upgrading my friend. That's awesome. <laughs> love it. Love it. Packed everything up and I uh, got home and, um, ended up moving back in with my brothers and you know because it was always funny they had a house together and I was just like yo it'd be so cool to live with you guys never thinking it actually worked out and then and lo and behold here here I am um, and so the next day started working um, so July 1st 2019 started working my position here wow. um, so, and... so you're not July 1st 2019 you're not the track coach you're not nope. a track coach you're you're nope. the director not well, track are you director no. of esports or what yeah. was yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. So, um, and it was a really, it was starting a real rebuilding process. So Lords was one of the earlier adopters of eSports, not like one of the first, first, but one of the earlier. Okay. Started the program to 2017. Um, the first school was in 2014. Um, and then you saw a few more schools kind of get into it. Uh, 2017, we were one of those few more. And then 
2018, 2019 is where you started to see a really, really big boom. Mm. Um, and so, but um, the program had kind of, you know, not had the best leadership before. Um, a lot of kids that came in had left and, and the numbers were very, very low. Um, think of them like 30 the first year to like seven halfway through the second year. Help us understand when you say low, obviously you said seven, so that would be low. Yeah. You know, at track, we're depending on the program, you know, we're talking about 30 kids to 100 kids, depending on yeah. Yeah. Know, the level. What's a, what's a healthy, maybe to say it this way, what is your goal at a Lord's for a team? Around 30 to 40. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is, is healthy. And it kind of depends on the program. Obviously, if you only have one or two titles that you're competing in, then you, you can't really go higher than maybe, you know, 15. Mm. Um, and it depends on the titles that you're running. Some titles are 1v1, some are 3v3, some are 6v6, some are 5v5, right? So it kind of depends on a lot. But I think most most of the programs you're seeing around nationally are around 30 to 40 in their size. So are programs, when you say titles, you're talking about like League of Legends? Yes, yep, yeah, okay, yeah, Overwatch. games, yep. So that kind of makes me think of track and field, like a, a track program will focus, you know, they'll have the whole team, but they're going to put all their scholarship money into distance. That would be mm-hmm. a title, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. On the esports level, collegiately, are, are there schools who are like, oh yeah, no, we're just going to be an Overwatch team. So we're only yep. recruiting Overwatch. And so yes, there uh, on the other side. So there are teams that are um, like, I'd say like a University of Oregon off the top of my head, a University of Arkansas off the top of my head that like they got stud sprinters stud jumpers thrower like they're they're a complete team are there college esports programs that like hey we're gonna have overwatch guys and gals league of legends uh dota i think you mentioned was one and i've kind of heard like are there those are they more you specific down to one or two title titles yeah you get both um Mm -hmm. i would say some of the best programs that you see out, out there are the ones that have like one or two specific titles that they focus in um and a lot of times that can kind of be partnered with the fact that they're giving some, I mean, some of these schools are giving full rides for their, for their programs. Um, and so, Oh man, I need uh, to start, start practicing. Yeah. Full rides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the schools that are doing full rides, obviously you can't do like a full 40 team full ride thing. So like they're only competing in, in one or two titles hmm. and they're excelling in those. Um, some of those universities, Maryville university out in, in St. Louis, um, oh, yeah. they are, they are like the, the standard when it comes to esports and they only do league of legends and overwatch is that right we did their yep. facility i don't know four years ago now three years yeah we did we just did their facility the Maryville yeah. oh nice marauders maybe because they have the real cool m they're yeah they have the really... cool m i actually don't know what they're i only yeah. know what, like the esports aspect i don't really know what they yeah. it was funny i saw i saw um we were at a track meet this past year and i saw somebody with the Maryville um kit on the first time i'd ever seen their logo outside of esports it was it was just a weird thing to see but it, i mean it made sense but like yeah um i actually don't know what their their nickname do, is do they do, do, does the esports operate in any capacity inside the athletics or is it a completely... depends on the school okay so we here at lords are part of athletics but some schools are part of rec and club sports some okay. schools are part of student life you know it, those are really like the three main housed app you know, spaces that esports mm. falls under. So, and, and we totally skipped over. What is Lord's mascot? Uh, the Gray Wolves. Oh, that's pretty cool. The Gray yeah. Wolves. That's yep. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, I like that. <laughs> uh, and, and do you, and, and, and when I say you, I'm trying to learn the whole landscape, not just specifically at Lord's. Like when you mentioned Gray Wolves and some, some esports programs are in the athletic department somewhere outside, maybe in the rec mm-hmm. team. Like, are you, for those, people that are for those programs that are outside of the athletic department do they still represent themselves as 
school name mascot? Like, are they the Lord? You probably are Lords Gray Wolves because you're inside yeah. of athletics. Yeah. But if you were in Rec League, would you still be the Gray Wolves, or do you have a totally different, you know, the Overwatch killers or whatever? It depends. Depends on the school. Some athletic programs are like, if you're not in our house and us, we don't want you using right. our logo. We don't right. want to use like you can use the university name. I mean, most most programs out there though, they'll probably say the school and then esports. So we we say Lords Esports whenever we're signing up for stuff. Like we'll like every now and then we'll say Gray Wolves or Go Wolves or something like that. But like a lot of times, if you see us signed up for something, you're seeing a lot of times like Lords Esports. Um, do, for do the you most have part. uniforms? Yep. Yeah. So we have. Oh, do I actually don't have oh, one? Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, but yes, yes. So we, we have uniforms as well. Um, and, and so, yeah, us being a part of athletics, you know, we're, we're provided everything else that athletics gives to all the other student athletes. And, and who's your governing body? Like, so at NCAA, you know, they tell mm-hmm. each division, you know, how many men's scholarships for track you can have and, you know, how many yeah. scholarships do, do you have that in esports or is it a free for all? That's the hot topic question that is ah. always on people's minds. There's no official governing body. Um, you have some tournament organizers out there that might have their own rules. Um, one of the largest ones out there is NACE, National Association of Collegiate Esports, um, which we are a member, and I'm actually on their competition council. Um, they had seemingly tried to want to be a governing body-ish Um I hope no no other esports coaches listening. There, there I don't think I don't but... think anybody from esports is listening. You have brought them to this podcast. Yeah. I don't think I reached the esports Fair world, enough. friend. Fair yeah. enough. Um, but um, ended up being like a lot of the membership didn't want a governing body. Also, it's difficult to do that because unlike basketball or football, where nobody owns the sport, here you have developers that own the games. So mm-hmm. if you want to say, hey. We want to be the governing body and we want to run League of Legends tournament. You have to get permission from the developer Riot to do it. Same with Overwatch, same with Rocket League. And so a lot of people are like, oh, is the NCAA going to adopt it? Is the NAI going to adopt esports? I don't think it will ever happen because the developers have the final say into who can use their is their intellectual property. They can say if you want to run a tournament or not. If you then they can say we don't want you to run one. So, so it's up to the individual school on the scholarship level how many yep. scholarships. Yep. So, so how it much how free much they all. want to fund into yep. it. So if one school says if Maryville's like you know what uh, we about to run this thing I'm gonna put a million dollars into this and I'm gonna give every kid a full ride who deserves yes. you know, who's good they could do it no. And, and Lord says, you know what? We just got one. Uh, <laughs> right, right. There's no governance for that. There's no none at all. It is a free for all. And a lot of our tournaments are also the same. Like a lot of our tournaments were competing against varsity teams and other club teams. So um, right now you kind of have three different models as far as esports goes. You might have a club program where it's just ran by students. You might have a varsity program where it's, you know, varsity with scholarship. And you might have a varsity by name where it's kind of like the school recognizes it. And supports it but it won't give scholarships right so but they'll say hey you like you can use our maybe you can use our logo you can you know say you're officially representing our university in a capacity esports capacity mm-hmm. so you're seeing like like all three of those models kind of being d- adopted all across in like a lot of these tournaments we're all still playing against each other no matter what so um you know you get some schools that you know, are really good because they have the varsity model with the scholarship. You got some schools that are really good because they have a solid club. For example, right there in uh, Champaign, University of Illinois, solid, very, very good League of Legends team. Uh, but when you have a university that large, even though it's a club team, like 
odds are you're going to get some good players just by numbers, right? So, um, but it, I mean, Illinois has been a very, very good League of Legends team for the past few years now. So people sleep on Illinois. First of all, <laughs> a, a really good engineering school, but people forget the internet was invented here. Netscape was ah. created here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Illinois, we kind of just you know and i say like i'm gonna lie you know my wife went to school here not me so i you know it's my second team because she went to school here that's mm -hmm. yeah it's always troy university for me i try to plug <laughs> troy university each and every time at least nice. in every podcast my son's name is troy so that tells you how ah okay yeah Yo, yeah wow. it, it's gonna be awkward if you ever have a kid you're gonna have to name your kid <laughs> washington uh, maybe shock shock's kind of a cool name like i could see you know Put, put an X at the end, you know? Oh, you know, dude. So now you're uh, you know, crazy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Shock is kind of cool. If you told me, like, hey, this is my, my little... I, I, maybe that would be a boy's name. I'm not sure. Uh, but hey, this is my little boy, Shock Daniels. I'd be like, what? <laughs> like, That's your name? That's awesome, man. That's so cool. There's enough Mikes in the world. Mikes and Daves and Dans mm, and Steve's, yeah, man. Fair. It's too common. We, we, we just have a new teammate. We uh, He's been on with us now for maybe three months now. Uh, he was a pole vaulter at Coastal Carolina University, and his name is River Morrow, R-Y-V-E-R. -E I was like, wow. I was like, is that a nickname? Is that like your, your wow. real name? He's like, yeah, that's what my mom named me. I was like, wow. your mom's awesome, man. I was like, that is the <laughs> coolest name. Like no one, cool, anybody you call, no one's going to forget your name. They're not yeah. going to believe it. They're going to be like, I was talking to a um, River, <laughs> but they're never <laughs> going to forget. They, they call up to talk to me. And they're like, yeah, I was talking to some guy, Mark. I'm like, they're like Mike. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's the guy. Mark, Mike. Yeah, it's all all the same. Um, that's fascinating. So let's, you know, we're a track and field podcast. So let's yeah. pull it yeah. in. You're doing all these cool esports things. Yeah. So where does how does track get back into? Because you are the assistant coach there. So how, how does that come yeah. into play? So um coming in here, uh the they had a track team here at Lords 2017. Um, and so this is before I got here, it for some reason went away. Um, and then coming in here the old cross country coach had just left and so they were hiring a new cross country coach and with the i guess the thought process of adding track back in so um and you know awesome awesome lady uh coach mclean cheryl mclean um she ran at michigan uh did olympic trials in the marathon one year um so yeah I'd, wow a huge different experience than i had as a college athlete um yeah, michigan <laughs> yeah um so uh, she was coming in and, you know, but she's been a distance runner for years and she's done cross country coaching for years. And so she um, knew how to run and, and she was just like, hey, you know, I'd love to have you help out on the sprints side and sprints and hurdles side. Um, obviously, that not being her area of expertise. Um, and I, you know, thought about it and, you know, I, I was just like, as long as I can be assured that, you know, I won't have to because I have my own team. So I was like, I can't recruit. I, I won't be able to recruit, won't be able to do paperwork, budgeting, anything like that. Um, but, you know, if, if that can be sure, like all that can be taken care of, then I was just like, absolutely, I'd love to. So, yeah. Interesting, Lamar. I don't know if you, you know, I get the, the luxury of listening to people's stories and, you know, you've lived it. So it's taken you 28 years to to live the story. Yeah. I'm hearing it in, you know, the span of 28 minutes, right? <laughs> But what's interesting there is, so you were afforded an opportunity to do something, uh, I'm going to say new, even though you'd been a you know, track coach before, but a new experience there. All your other endeavors up to this time, at least in the way I'm hearing it, there was no 
thinking about it. it don't take that the wrong way. Meaning you're like, Hey, do you want to join the acrobat team? Yeah. I want to try out for soccer. Oh, let me go try out for soccer. Yeah. When you just said that, when, when she approached you like, Hey, you know, you have some sprint turtles background. We could use a coach. You said, yeah, I had to think about that for a second because I have my own team. So yeah. I can't do the recruit. Like it's interesting as you're getting a little older and we find this probably pretty normal. We start slowing down just a little bit. Mm. Some of us physically, I, I really slowed down, <laughs> uh, but you know, there's a little bit because you have other priorities and thoughts like yeah. you're running yeah. your own esports team. It's like, Oh, like this is my primary. Yeah. I can't allow secondaries to get in the way over here. So it was just interesting the way you said that. I was like, because because literally when you said yeah i had to think about it for that i was like wait a minute you don't jump, <laughs> jump first lamar and then you get it all yeah, figured yeah, out no, 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 you're yeah. like, well, let me figure it out yeah. first and then i'll jump yeah yeah but no i mean that's a great point it's actually something i didn't realize because i knew with the esports program it was a lot i was undertaking not only it being something completely new to me um but also just the amount of work it took it's took to turn the program around um, and this is where I'm saying, like, I think my life experience really prepared me specifically for this job. Mm. Um, I come into a program that was just not doing too well. Um, and by no fault of the students or, you know, my, my, you know, you know, current boss or anything like that. Um, she wasn't even here when the program started. Um, but it was just like, it was just, you know, not having the best person in, in, you know, in the position. Mm. And so, um, and that person, he was doing another job on campus as well. So it was like, you know, doing multiple things at once, hard to give the students that attention that they needed. Right. So, okay, hold on. You, you hearing this guy <laughs> <laughs> now he's bagging on the, not bagging on the guy, but bagging on the person who does multiple. <laughs> this is uh, you know, we're going to get into our own little session here, uh, Lamar, because I, I got a question coming up for you. Okay. I don't know that you've ever thought. I'm not going to ask it just yet. Keep going. Okay. Okay. I, I've got, I've been spooling up this question. I like to challenge oh, our guests nice, nice. on, you know, the, their, their decision and decision making, mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 how they, and when they've made the decision. So I've got one for you that you are either going to say, Hey, this interview's over, we're done. Or you're going to be like, Oh crap. I never really thought about that. Uh -huh. okay. But as you get older, these are the kind of things that you yeah. just naturally hope the ones of us who grow up and I'm not saying that about you, but the ones of us who continue on in our successful lives, these are the kind of questions that we, we come up with a big pit of pin in that keep going and we're, we're yeah. going to get there. Yeah. I mean, I think for him, he was an assistant coach on another team. And so it's hard because that job was still his primary, but mm -hmm. to be a, have you be a head coach as your secondary thing, mm -hmm. I think is very difficult to do. Great point. Um, Whereas for me now, you know, that's my primary thing and I assistant coach right. at my secondary, right? Um, and so, um, but it was a lot, like, this is where all the stuff, all of my experiences kind of all came as a head, like, you know, learning what a good coach or team should be was very important um, because I was able to implement a lot of what I learned on the acrobatics team into our program. But even more importantly, I think my negative experiences helped me out a lot because I was able to look at my students and know, I know exactly what you're feeling. I've been exactly where you are right now, where you feel like you're coming into a program and you're mm -hmm. hoping that it, you, you get the best provided to you and you're not really feeling like you have that and you're frustrated, you're angry, you feel a little bit betrayed. So I'm able to relate and I was able to relate to them from day one because I've just been through that, right? And so it kind of like, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, maybe I went through that experience specifically to help prepare me for where I'm at right now. Um, you had mentioned, and I think you just alluded to it again, something about the way 
whether it was Coach Ben's style or philosophy has helped you mm-hmm. today. Yeah. What, what is, tell me more about that. I think the biggest thing is um, accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, when you're doing any type of, you know, acrobatics thing, um, having accountability that your teammates going to be there uh, to catch you when you, you go up in a flight uh, to spot you if you need a spot. Um, when you're having moving parts going all around and people are transitioning and you have a tumbling pass to know that nobody's going to run in your direction that you're going to tumble. Um, a lot of faith and a lot of trust has to go into that. A lot of this is having accountability with each other that, you know, you put in the work, you come here consistently and practice every single time. I'm able to know that you're going to be where you need to be. And I have the trust because you hold yourself accountable mm-hmm. and the team as a whole holds each other accountable. Um, and that's, you know, something that I've, you know, definitely kind of implemented here as well as just us holding each other accountable. Um, and, and not necessarily in a harsh way, but in a loving way, like, cause we want to see the best for each other. And that's something I push a lot with our program of not just holding each other accountable in, you know, making sure that you're coming to practice on time or making sure you're playing outside of practice time. Uh, because side note in esports, if you're only practicing during practice, you're kind of falling behind a little bit, right? You have to find that time outside of it to, you know, make sure you're keeping up with your play. Um, but also to hold each other accountable. Are you going to class? You know, are you treating others with respect? That's the number one rule. Whenever we, I talk to the team every, every new semester, number one rule is respect others. Um, that's the first rule I put on our, on our list. Um, and so, you know, are you holding each other accountable to make sure that they're respecting others or that they're go- waking up to go to class on time? Um, you know, we're at, we're at a point in our group chat where if somebody doesn't show up to class, somebody would be like, you know, tag them in the group chat, like, hey, where are you at, right? And, you know, more so just make sure that, you know, because not only if, you know, you want to make sure they're eligible so they can still play on the team, but, you know, at the end of the day, all of our students are here to, you know, make sure they graduate and to get a degree, right? And so, um, that's one of the biggest things that was kind of drilled into us was, you know, making sure that we, you know, hold each other accountable. Um, our acrobatics team, like if, if you weren't in a move or you weren't in the move practicing, like you weren't sitting down, you were still practicing something. Maybe you're practicing your tumbling. Maybe you're practicing uh, a, a stunt that you had with somebody else. Like you were always doing something because we were always pushing to improve every single second of practice um and you know that's something that i kind of like to make sure that we have and you know that's not necessarily you playing every single second of your day let's make sure you're improving whether that's you're you know eating healthy whether that's you're going to class on time things like that and so that's that was a big thing that we, we've kind of implemented here in track and field we have a pretty expansive one that i'm pretty proud of because uh, i came through the system of coaching education so mm-hmm. um USATF has, you yeah. know, different tiers, USCCA CCA, uh, has got a great program, Altus, uh, I almost said out of the Arizona, they're actually moving to Atlanta, uh, but Altus, Stu McMillan and his group, they do an amazing job, and then they're, I mean, and there's more, like I'm, I'm not even, coaches collab, mm-hmm. how could I forget about them, is there, first of all, what has been your experience, if any at all, on that, on that side for track and field, and is there something akin to that on the esports side? So, currently trying to get the budget to pay for that for the track side um so talking to the head coach about that but yeah i'd love to um i mean i've i've heard so many of your stories about like how people are have connected um at different and i would love to do it if it was in person honestly um and hopefully we get back to that at some time yes um but um additionally um I, at least on the esports side, yeah, we do have it. Uh, NACAD, National Association of Esports Coaches and Directors. 
um, is like our kind of professional development system as well. Um, and, you know, it has a membership, they do their own, you know, national conference every year and things like that. So they do have that professional development on the esports side as well. Yeah. So you're, you're so young. <laughs> yeah. I just, my birthday was a, a couple of days ago. So I'm 45. Nice. So I'm Happy old. Birthday. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I say I'm old. Thank you so much. Uh, I say I'm old. I'm actually not like someone said, uh, you know, congrats on your first 45 years. And I was like, yep, it's halftime for me. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm going to live to over 90. So like, if you think of it that way, like I'm not old, like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. at halftime, basically, mm-hmm. I got 45 more years, right. Uh, to do a lot of cool things. I hope um, you're 28. You, you might not even be at the start line today, Lamar, I meaning, you know, you're so young. Where, what, what's the, uh, not what's the end game, because I, I, I dislike mm. that type of question, right? Because that means, you know, what's the end game is, well, I'm going to be laid into the earth, I'm going to die. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the real end game. But like, I, I, today, 2021, I don't see a path if you have a goal of coaching on the division one level, coaching track and field on the division one level, and mm. also being an esports coach. Yeah. Yeah. In 2021, my knowledge tells me, and I could be wrong, uh, that that's not conceivable. Uh, but the branch of those is right. If I want to go yeah, on and yeah. coach division one, you absolutely have that, uh, ability to coach division one track and field. And obviously you have the ability to do uh, esports director because you're doing it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your thought pattern or, or maybe, cause here's the thing too. I love when people like the grass is not always green on the other side. Right. So maybe in the type of position you are right now, maybe you're like, yeah, dude, I could do this for the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this, I'm a director of esports and I also get to coach track and field. Well, what's, what, what's your thinking right now, as far as a career path forward moving on? That is a um, question. I don't think I have the answer to, honestly. Um, one thing I like about my position is that I have the availability to do administration and coaching. And I'd be doing that regardless if I was doing track and field or not uh, with the eSwitch program. Um, and as our programs expand out and college eSports gets more kind of solidified, I think you're going to start to see, because a lot of these programs is just one staff member um, oh. kind of facilitating sometimes maybe coaching, sometimes maybe not because, you know, you can't always coach. And I, there's a lot of simil- similarities to, to track and field, but even like on the, you know, athletics department level, right. You know, imagine you were an athletic director and you were asked to coach basketball, football, and baseball at a collegiate level, right. You know, that's essentially what some of us directors are being asked to do. Um, and so my hope is, you know, as the scene progresses, more and more schools will understand the need to have more staff in place to these programs. Um, and another director asked me, he was like, so where do you see yourself? Are you going to be a you know director? Or are you going to coach? And I'm like, I really don't know. Like I see, like, I love both aspects and I love to do both. Um, and so it'd be really hard for me to kind of make that decision. Um, and so even right now, I mean, I think that's a good question. I, I don't know kind of where, you know, where I'd want to be as, as far as college esports goes, I'm already kind of at the top because there's just like one, one line of, of, you know, moving up that you could do as on the esports side in collegiate. Um, I know at the end of the day, I want to stay in college athletics. Um, and I know that for a fact, um, whether that's coach, whether that's athletic director, whether that's esports director, whatever it may or may not be, that's that's where I think is best for me. Well, I definitely believe. I'm not going to say that I know, but I believe that you know the esports thing is still so young and still in hyper growth that while you may be at the top today, literally tomorrow, 
there could be a lot more opportunities mm -hmm. available. You know, you talked about some of those organizations, uh, the maybe need for a governing body and all the legalities, copyright, trademarks that uh, are involved in that because you're dealing with another uh, IP intellectual property yeah. from someone else, et cetera. Do, does a, a Blizzard or Activision create their own yeah. you know, championship and knock out all the other competitors in, in that space, the developers and stuff like that. So, um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how that, I, I don't see esports going anywhere. Technology is not going anywhere. We're getting faster internets and more game developments, and mm -hmm. computers are always getting even faster and more accessible to other people. So uh, I don't see it going anywhere. Uh, but Lamar, so what I, I was thinking as we were, you know, going through your journey, which I'm just so thankful uh, for you sharing with us today. And and by the way, Lamar, this was all that I dreamed of <laughs> when I when I reached out. Now and I told you, you know, listener, that. I don't know how much track we're going to talk about today. And we certainly um, did not talk as much track uh, as we have in some other interviews. Uh, but but Lamar's journey to me was so interesting and unique and important that I wanted to have him on the show. Um, and so I was giddy to learn about acrobat and volleyball and, uh, you know, esports, of course. So Lamar, thank you. This is uh, this has been my birthday gift, man. Thank you. Didn't even know you're doing. <laughs> uh, but what I, I'm interested in, in, you know, outside observer here. Um, it seems like up until maybe today, uh, where you're at today, I got the sense that maybe you had what people will call FOMO. Have, have you ever heard of FOMO? Yeah. Yeah. The fear of missing out. Right. Um, mm. we, we, if you don't know what FOMO is, uh, think about it. If you have a cell phone, which probably the most of you do, right. If you've ever gotten to the point when you have all those notifications going on your phone and you have your phone kind of just outside of arm's reach and you're like, Oh, did, did someone tweet me? Did I get an email? Did I get a text? Like, I, I, I got I, I can't stand. It. I got to grab my phone. I got to look. That's what, that's a form of FOMO. Like I am fear I'm missing out that somebody is, is messaging me right now. And I got to see it or someone tweeted, someone Facebook, someone TikTok, whatever. I got that sense when you're going through the college. It's, it's interesting. I didn't really get, get it in the high school side. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time there. Mm -hmm. College, we spent a lot of time because that's where a lot of things happened. Um, even through your grad work with a lot of the different interests, but have you ever sat back and maybe you're just too young in, in this stage and age of, uh, where you're at and thought about you know, the way you make decisions? And by the way, not judging. I want to take that off the table. I'm not judging mm -hmm. your decisions. But have you ever thought of like some of the opportunities that you have uh, jumped first and then figured it out? You figured them out brilliantly, which is the good news. Not a lot of uh, crash and burns here. So <laughs> lucky, lucky you. Uh, but a lot of that's your own character and, and thought process and, and work ethic. But have you ever thought about like, man, do, do I have a FOMO? If, if like, if someone presents an opportunity, I can't say no, because who knows, I may love it. Mm. And, and weighing that against the well, I gotta, I gotta focus on only so many things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's something that I feel for me, I, I really love the experiences and you know, that's, that's like the biggest experience to me is experience and providing those experiences to people. Mm. So where I feel like I, when I feel like I can, um, I, I try myself to get to that point. I think I've definitely done a, a lot better as far as I'm getting older and I'm, I'm finding different avenues to enjoy those experiences. Um, for example, uh, just kind of doing the USATF masters and then going out there and running. Cause it was the first time they did 25 to 29 age. Group. Yeah. You know, 
I was talking to some of the guys there and I was just like, you know, I'm kind of using this as a way to like give myself the experiences I didn't have when I was in college. You know, I had six meets total over my college career, three my freshman year, three my sophomore year, and that was it. Um, and so um, I, you know, I use it as an opportunity to kind of give myself that experience. And I'm also using it as a way of like kind of re-coaching myself a little bit. Um, when I got to college, I was like just doing 400s and 400 hurdles and some long jumps. So like a lot of the block work, um, I didn't, again, never had a sprint coach, specific coach. So, you know, this past summer was a lot of me of like re-coaching myself, working with somebody else. And so that way, um, next year, I can even be better for my students when they come in. Um, you know, I'm, I'm even like re-going through hurdle just as well so I can get it all fresh in my mind once again. Um, but I mean, I definitely think that's, that's been a big thing that I've, I've had to, you know, kind of make sure that I'm not, you know, catching myself up in, in too many things, uh, because this is something that is just natural for me to just end up doing so many things here or there, because, uh, I mean, I think for me, like, I love to experience life. Um, and I love to, you know, as much as I can find those experiences, you know, even if it might, you know, be a little bit of sacrifice, I, I drove out to Iowa for, for the thing, right? So a bit of a sacrifice to drive all the way out there from Ohio, but, you know, it ended up, I thought the, ex the experience was more than worth it, so. Yeah, don't hear me saying, like, what, what's the old term, no regrets, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm not trying to, like, bust you to find, like, well, what do you regret, you know? Mm -hmm. What did you miss out, or what did you do? And you're like, oh, I wish I'd never done that, because, like, my thought philosophy on that kind of stuff is, even the bad things that happen have shaped you to who you are today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, we are who we are because of where we've been and what we've done. So even the bad things, even things that hurt us or, you know, we got hurt, et cetera, mistakes we made that that's who we are today. And we would mm -hmm. not be who we are today without those. So not hearing that at all, um, or not, not me saying that at all on that. Like, I mean, I, I think it's proven out with our conversation today of who you are today is exactly who you're supposed to be. And not yeah. only have you received a lot of great experiences, but you're helping shape young people's experiences in a lot of different avenues, not just athletics, but also in development. And also obviously in the uh, esports world there at Lawrence. Yeah. And then that's, that's one of the reasons why um, I decided to help out with the track team is because I knew it was going to be a better experience for them. You know, do you have a sprint specific coach or not have a sprint specific coach? Right. right. And I could look back at myself and be like, Hey, well, I know what it was like to not necessarily have that dedicated event attention, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and to be able to, so I think I'm kind of pivoting toward, you know, yeah, maybe taking a little bit more experiences will be good for me if I can find that in a way, shape or form, it ends up helping out, you know, somebody else down the road. Well, it's pretty clear that, you know, you have a giving heart, <laughs> you know, I, I, what I did not hear during this whole story was, uh, me, I, <laughs> you know, uh, champion, you know, trophies, you know, I didn't hear that. It was more, you hit the nail on the head about experiences. Like, how can I experience this? And if I think back now, every one of your experiences has been a shared experience. So it's an acrobatic team. It was the volleyball yeah, team, yeah. Um, you know, uh, coach Ben and what he meant for you and your development, uh, the entrepreneurial, like even that, um, um, the paper, what the project that you had to work on the entrepreneurial yeah, project yeah, was, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. So how are coaches? Like, it was kind of twofold. It was like empathy for, co for esports coaches. Like, how are you even recruiting? Like, you know, there's a pretty, mm -hmm. uh, established place for athletics, but not an esports. Yeah, yeah. For the kids, like, how do you get recruited? How do you, 
prove exactly. that you should exactly. that's, like it was it was all about others and shared experiences with others so um i'm just so thankful man that you would share your story with us today it's 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 been amazing <laughs> yeah thank you thank you um, so much yeah man uh just again i can't say thank you enough your humility we got into a lot of crazy topics today i i thought the crazy topics were going to be esports <laughs> uh and um uh, soccer and you know acrobats and things like that acrobatic team uh, i thought that was going to be the crazy parts and those were awesome and, and crazy but um again just want to say thank you lamar for being so transparent and showing humility to talk about you know therapy and um um representation and you know things like that those are important topics um, that should be explored more uh, as we talk about our own mental health and our own uh, development so I'm just so thankful you know I just know your story is going to help people who are who are listening today to help their own paths uh, create their carve their own paths you know the path that you create helps other people create their individual paths man so I'm just so thankful man thank you so much for your time today absolutely thank you so much for having me and thank you for listening today. I told you I didn't know how much track we were going to talk today. And that actually made me a little bit of nervous. Maybe you were nervous too. Uh, I think it turned out fantastic. In fact, I know it turned out fantastic because uh, I get to meet a new guy today, man, who's got a crazy life. And I just absolutely love that. Um, you guys know my own kind of story as far as, you know, being a college track coach, uh, dropping that, quitting that and becoming a professional poker player and then coming to Gill. I thought I had a crazy story. <laughs> You know, when I tell people I used to be a professional poker player, they're all like, whoa, that's crazy. This guy, he out crazies me. And I just absolutely love that. And I love that your journey is continuing, Lamar. You know, your book is not done. We're not at the final chapter. Or, uh, I can't wait to talk with you uh, on the podcast in 10 years and find out <laughs> what crazy things you're doing and how you're affecting people in a positive yeah. manner. Uh, yeah. So thank you for your time and being here today and listening. I'm just so appreciative of your attention. This was, uh, we haven't had a, a long one in a while, but we, we got into it this time. And uh, thank you again for, for letting us extend there, Lamar. Uh, but if you received value, you've heard me say this every week, I'm always going to say it because that's what this podcast is about, is about giving you, the listener, value. And you can only receive the value if you listen, right? That's kind of hand in hand there. So now it's up to you. You've listened. You've heard this awesome story. You've heard past stories. Go back and look at our uh, history here in the podcast and go look at some of the amazing, go all the way back to Mark Mangiacotti from Harvard. Uh, we talked about Judd Logan and Mouse Holloway have been on the show. Joe Frontier, uh, Karen Smith from The Ohio State. I mean, we've We've got some coaches and we've got some amazing coaches uh, still to come, but go back and look at our library. I'm sure you missed one, but if you found one or two or 10 that have really given you value, I just implore you to give value to others. Share on your network, maybe send it directly an email. Maybe if you, if Karen Smith's story, you know, it was, it was humbling when Karen Smith told us, she's like, I was fired. <laughs> uh, that, that's how I left UNLV. Like that was humbling for her to, again, much like Lamar here to bear her soul, if you will, and say something maybe embarrassing, being fired. Uh, maybe that spoke to you and helped you out. Email that to someone that you think would, would receive value to it. That's how we continue pushing the value train down the road. So please uh, share this on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Morse code, I don't know, whatever people are using. Maybe, maybe there's an esports Twitch. Hey, who's going to hey. be the first person <laughs> to share on Twitch? I don't know if you can. It's a communication platform, so you must be somehow. Uh, but go do it. Get out there. Go have the rest of your week. Uh, have an awesome rest of your week and join us next week. We're going to have another awesome coach. I don't think we're going to talk about esports. So if you were here today to listen to esports, thank you for being here. You're probably one and done, but I love you anyway. So just have a great day. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great week.